0: The views, comments, stories, and opinions shared within this podcast are my own or those of my guests, and in no way represent the views of the company or companies that I or we work for. The stories, events, and tales shared within this episode may or may not have happened in the manner in which they are told. It may or may not have even happened at all. The details have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty alike. This is Squawk Identity. You're listening to Squawk Eye Den, an aviation podcast dedicated to the journey and the challenges surrounding the life and career of Aviator Tony, his co-hosts, and his guests. Together, we'll explore the many pathways to an aviation profession, the realities of what a professional aviator can expect in today's marketplace, and we will share many stories along the way. I'm your host, Aviator Tony, an airline pilot currently flying for a U.S. legacy airline with close to 20 years on the flight line. This is episode 67 of Squawk Ident, recorded on the 3rd of January, 2021, from the Aviator Sound Studios from somewhere in Southern California. On today's show, the Squawk Ident crew and I discuss how important it is to not be that guy. We will also discuss the third Jetpack Man sighting, holding for volume, what an all inclusive layover hotel offers you when you are a flight crew member and the Stand Up to Cancer livery at Legacy Airlines. We also discuss an ATC Zero event and what that entails. We will also breach an event that happened on board a United flight when a passenger suddenly dies and the ethics behind the handling of that event. We also discuss a recent change to the Legacy Airlines training cycle and much more. So stick with us as we prepare to launch Episode 67, the first show of Season 3 of the Squawk Ident Podcast. Now that our pre-flight is complete, let me get ready to push off the gate. First, we're going to start up those virtual podcast engines and get ready for takeoff. Squawk Ident Episode 67 is officially underway. To help me get Flight 67 off the ground today... Is an exceptional aviator and co-host. He is a professional cfi I, mei flight instructor, a former freight dog, a former airline pilot, a current King Air flight instructor, a Falcon 2000 commander, a captain, and a corporate operator as well. He was able again to break away from his heavy flight schedule in order to join us today, and he is fresh off an adventure to the local Home Depot where he has braved the long lines and the shenanigans that went with it from his chateau where he has it all to himself this weekend from somewhere in San Diego, California. Please help me in welcoming back to the show Captain Roger. Roger, how you doing?
1: I'm doing all right, Tony. How are you? Happy 20 2021. Happy oh my New god. Year. Yes. How's that sound? Yes. 2021.
0: Oh my gosh. I, I don't think I'm not a big New Year's fan like but I don't this freak year out. Was a little but, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, FU2020. That's Couldn't all I got to say about that.
1: If you ask me and probably the rest of the world.
0: And where were you? Were you at home uh, with the family or were you out flying?
1: Um, I Well, it's both. I actually flew on, on I guess, what New Year's Eve is. Um, and I got back in early evening on December 31st. As you had just alluded to, the house is empty. And so there was no, nobody home. And I was tired. It was actually an international flight with... Some shenanigans that kind of went along with that, and you know, you know, I'm, I'm kind of old now, and so 10 o'clock rolled around, <laughs> and I passed out. and And around midnight, I heard a bunch of bangs going around or going on, and and um, I woke up, and and I yeah. said, "Happy New Year," and then I went back to sleep. And then I woke up, and I, and I felt, you know, well, here's 2021, and may this year go much better than the last.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah. The bar is
1: low, so I guess we've got that going for us.
0: Well, we have a we have a good starting point. Let's just say
1: that <laughs> there's only up, right? There, I you, hope. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. We were talking. I was flying on it with, with another one of the crew members just a few days ago. We were flying over L.A. and I don't even know how we brought it up, but we talked about we were talking about earthquakes. And I was like, "Well, if there is an earthquake, it, it's going to happen in the next few days because if it's going to happen, it's going to be in 2020. You know, because what else to happen? Right." And right. fortunately, in, in all seriousness, fortunately that did not happen, but this is what a, what a year, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just glad it's over and, and for looking sure. forward, we, we have a little bit more of an appreciation, I think, for the little things that we may have taken for granted in the past. Well, you know, also joining us today is another superb aviator and co-host. He's a former international professional racquetball champion, a member of the 9G Club, an AMP and avionics tech, an RC aircraft commander, a boat skipper, a commercial drone operator, and currently a 737 pilot for Legacy Airlines. The name we use here on the show is an alias to our employer, a U.S. mainline carrier. From his fortress of isolation, where he and his family are free from the Rona and back to normal lives. From somewhere in Flower Mound, Texas, help me in welcoming back to the show, Mr. Rob Lee. Rob, how you doing? Happy New Year. I am Happy doing New year. great. Happy to
2: report that I'm doing great. Uh, 2020 is history. Um, like you guys said, I am so glad to have that year behind us. Looking forward to 2021 and, uh, Hopefully this year is great and a total 180 degree difference from what we all just experienced.
0: Yeah. So. And, and were you able to spend the New Year's at home with your family as well? Or were you out flying? No, I was out flying, actually. I started my first trip on New Year's Eve, December
2: 31st. Uh, that was my first trip back from the Rona, the, uh, experiencing the coronavirus and um, it was nice to get back in the saddle. Uh, it was about a little over 30 days since I flew last. And, um, you know, after going through COVID with the family, um, it felt good to uh, get out of the house and get back to doing something that you love, which is, for me, it's flying. Yeah. So it was, it was quite a nice way to end the year.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And where were you in, on laying over at the yeah so we ABC. had
2: i ju- we just had one flight from Dallas to Seattle, so went to Seattle got there at about two o'clock in the afternoon um stayed downtown, went down to the market. It was nice. a great place that I love to get some uh smoked salmon chowder and a um lobster roll it's called uh pike's place um chowder and mm-hmm. won all kinds of awards for their chowder there. And it was busy. I mean, there was was a line out the door. Um, You know, granted, they're still practicing all the COVID restrictions uh, for restaurants there. So I think they only had 25% capacity inside that they can handle. Um, But their whole seating arrangement is all outside anyway. So, um, you know, it was pretty much, you know, as you finished your food, you had to get up because there were people waiting to sit down. But the chowder Uh (laughs) was fantastic.
0: So, so you could actually
2: dine there, dine in. Yes. Yeah, you could dine there. Um and you could also get it to go or you could do like the Grubhub and you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, so the
0: contactless uh, stuff, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, but there was a line out the door and there always is. There's always there's always a line out the door there to to eat. Um yeah. and uh but yeah, uh, come with come with some money cuz you know, a lobster rolls like 26 bucks <laughs> you know a bowl of yeah. chowder is like 15 or 18 dollars or something like that it's well worth it but yeah. um you know <laughs> uh
0: i uh easily drop 50 bucks for lunch <laughs> but <laughs> i mean how often of does that happen i mean they're they're all exactly. the cliche jokes that we joke around i was like well i'm yeah. gonna go grab an old peanut butter and jelly sandwich from the the commissary <laughs> there at the airport right. and pay 40 dollars for that and a soda yeah um, exactly
2: know, but, this at the same
0: time, it. yeah, you get to go on a layover, you get to yeah. be at, at the fish market in the Seattle exactly. downtown. I haven't been know, there,
2: I hadn't out. been there for man, I, I can't even remember the last time I was there. Um, at least six to eight months since I was there last. Mm-hmm.
1: So, I bet um, you never dropped $50 at lunch when you were at uh, the regional no airline, did sir. you, sir? No yeah. way, yeah. they're they A
2: pilots now. That was my budget for the week. You know, yeah. at, <laughs> so, so $50 on lunch was a huge deal, but, yeah. uh, yeah, man, I, I look forward to it and, um, I'm glad you know, the captain went down there with me. He was actually looking forward to it too. Cause he's eaten there in the past. And, um, he was, when I mentioned it to him that I was headed down there, his you know eyes and ears lit up. He was like, man. Let's go. That sounds good. I haven't had that in a long time either. So, yeah, uh, it was a good trip, man. It was great, guy. Um, uh, You know, good trip to come back to and uh, easy. Uh, I I think we're going to get into it a little later, but you know, missed that whole ATC zero event uh, because I I launched Mm -hmm. off a day later. But lucky. um, Yeah, yeah. It was it was quite an event, and we also had (laughs) weather here too. So Uh, I I missed everything, uh, took off New Year's Eve, you know, just before the weather system hit the area. And, um, I was sitting in my hotel room in Seattle, um, listening to my wife complain on how, how cold and rainy it was down here. (laughs) So it was nice to be in Seattle. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, that's another thing. I think we've breached this topic before. Um, you know, when you're, especially when you're new and you're flying at, either with a regional or with a charter operator or, or cargo or whatever you're doing, it's always best to be very choosy of your words oh, when you're absolutely. calling home because if you're like oh man my captain's awesome yeah. and we're out drinking and, and it's miami and, yeah, and the and flight attendants south are beach. with us yeah and we're walking down south beach and everybody's you know yeah. we're walking down the street and they're yeah. and, and your <laughs> your your wife or your husband or whatever you have at home is going to be looking at you like. Uh-huh. All right. All right. Yep. Mother... Well, I, you I'm know, my I'm third get basket you. of laundry and went grocery <laughs> got the shopping Kids are yelling at me. Picked up the dog poop in Having the back. Showered and... in two days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so wa- choose your words wise. Water heaters you know.
2: flooding and
0: <laughs> Right. Right. And and I was told, you know, very early on, it's like you should take your family with you on a trip. When when there's when you're going to a layover overnight mm-hmm. in like somewhere podunk. And you know it's gonna be like crappy, it's yeah. gonna be a short overnight and it's yeah. gonna be freezing and it's gonna be miserable and the yeah. flights are wide open. You take your family with you and you're like, All right, let's go. This is gonna be like. fun. And you go and then it's like oh, this is <laughs> terrible. I'm like, well, this is you know, sometimes we get to go to the beach, but other times it's you know.
2: Like See, this. I made a mistake with that. Oh yeah. I I made a I totally went the opposite direction with that. So oh. my wife and my kids had never gone on an overnight with me. And, um, just, this, this was about 10 years ago. Uh, my wife's company, um, chartered a cruise ship out of Miami, um, for her company. And, um, we went to Miami two days ahead of time to, you know, experience Miami and my wife has never been there. So I was like, Hey, let's go to the uh, hotel that the crew stays at. Cause you know, we get a good deal. And, um, Well, (laughs) that was the wrong idea because when we got there, it was the Sherry. We, We all know about the Sherry. Yeah. Well, you know the French crews were there, and they were down there at the pool, and they were, you know, some of them were doing their topless thing, and yep, after my 10 wife's like, "Is this what every overnight's like?" And
1: I'm like, "Yes, it is." No, <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I should have brought you to, uh, no uh, offense, but you know Manhattan, Kansas,
0: or <laughs> yeah, no Manhattan, Kansas, I like is Manhattan, freaking X. awesome. Yeah, a good too, one. I'm just no, uh, I was trying yeah. to think of something off the cliff. <laughs> Marquette, Marquette, Michigan, not. Mar- nothing wrong with Marquette, Michigan, but damn, you go there in the wintertime and it's minus 10 and you're that long ride to the Holiday Inn. Oh my God, it's like life changing. (laughs) Or even better, yeah, let's stay
2: at the Billetine, Air Force Billetine rooms and at the airport there. Oh, the Red Fox. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, turn the water on, go brush your teeth. Uh, wait for you know, then go have some cereal, microwave some, you know, cereal, or whatever, heat up the milk, and then maybe the water might be water. Hot. Be warm. <laughs> yeah. Brings back my uh, airman days when I was in the military,
2: stayed in yeah. rooms just like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we're all very happy to hear that you've recovered and back uh, to the flight line and Thanks. got to experience a little bit of the new year's uh, happiness of, you know, celebrating the end of 2020, which is really what we were doing. We're not really celebrating the upcoming year. And for those that think that, you know, just because we've changed into 2020, that means everything's going to be okay. That's not factual. It's just a pipe dream. And we have a lot to overcome. Uh, I just think that we're starting from a point now there where we can make better sound, more critical decisions uh, on our personal choices and yeah. i think live a little bit safer happier life. I too was flying. Um been pretty busy actually since the last show. Uh i had that i was i remember i was talking about uh being given a trip to goes to the islands. I was so happy. Um actually i did quite a bit of flying. I flew out to Kona um, and we've started using the NX model, the 321NX, which is the NEO, the new engine design, um, which is nice because it has CPDLC, which means we don't have to make the mandatory position reports uh, through a high-frequency or HF radios anymore. Uh, The CPDLC is really just a push of a couple buttons, and it gives a position report to ATC. If you're over the water out there, instead of using a high-frequency radio and trying to comprehend what they're trying to tell you on those you know it's kind of like a ham radio it's it's really not much different the the audio is terrible there's a lot of static and feedback and sometimes you can't get a word in edgewise because there's so many people sharing a few frequencies so asking for deviations and altitude uh, changes uh, are very difficult but now with CPDLC, is you push a couple buttons requesting uh, you know a couple thousand feet higher due to you know, light chop or turbulence or whatever, and within seconds you get bing, bing, bing you are now cleared to you know flight level three nine zero. Okay, great. Um, yeah. And so, th- talk about game changer. Yeah. What I really like about that particular flying, it's not necessarily the destination, although that obviously is a highlight. Um, but I I like the quietness of the radio. Because yep. no one's talking on the radio. When we go over the Pacific to get into Hawaii under under what's considered international flying, we monitor what we call fingers or the common traffic frequency for that type of flying, which is frequency one two three decimal four five. Uh, most GA pilots know about this. This is kind of a place where you can talk freely. You're not under uh, most of the restrictions that come with speaking on a frequency that's monitored. Um, so you can say, Hey, how's your ride ahead? And you can talk freely and you can, you can ask the other planes that you know, are ahead of you, or you can hear them talking. Oh, you're, you're, you're getting what kind of ride. Oh, okay, cool. And you're over yeah. what waypoint? point? Um, so that's really the only audio that's going on other than the two people in the cockpit. So it, it really was nice to go over there. Now, Hawaii had the quarantine restrictions. We've talked about Um, how that's in place Uh, for crew members. I think it's a 10-day quarantine unless you have a negative COVID test within, I think it's 48 hours or 72 hours prior to your trip, in which case you are no longer mandated to do the 10-day quarantine. Um, I see holes in that personally uh, because let's say I took the test on a Monday. I got the results on a Tuesday or Wednesday and my trip started Wednesday night. Well, I could have been exposed on Tuesday or Wednesday, and it didn't show up until Thursday, which is the day I'm in you know, Hawaii walking around with a mask on without restrictions, swimming in the ocean without restrictions. So there's, there's loopholes in, in all of it, but it is a nice option. Um, I had a great day. I went for a run. Uh, next day, flew back, uh, landed at a decent hour, uh, was home by midnight, I had about... 15 hours at home, enough time to get a good night's rest and repack a bag and went back out the following day to go to Honolulu. Uh, Honolulu is a little bit different than Kona. Kona was a little bit more chill. We got to go out, grab a bite to eat, walk back to the hotel, got some exercise in, hung out with the captain. Honolulu, as soon as we got to the hotel, they're like, all right, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't leave. And and there were police everywhere. Um, and, And the threat was if you were caught not following strictly to the 10 day crew, remember quarantine that you would be fined. So I took it pretty serious, but I still was able to go out and get exercise because I'm allowed to do that. And I was able to go out and find food and I brought it back to the hotel and ate it in my room, followed the quarantine rules and both the captain and I agreed that that's what we would do. So again, another beautiful day uh, in the islands came back home, had I think a few days off and then I started a trip it was a four-day trip that included an overnight on New Year's Eve in St. Louis. Now, St. Louis was forecasted to be right around the freezing point with rain starting in the morning. So we were kind of curious to see if we were going to actually make it out of there on New Year's Day. Um, but it was it was a good trip, and I was kind of happy that we had some pretty good news, uh, both with the, the bill passing for the CARES Act, uh, immediately we started to see checks go out for crew members that potentially didn't have a full schedule of flying, uh, both nice. in December and in January. So they backdated pay and recalled all the furloughed pilots. As of December 1st. So even though they're not on the flight line right now over at legacy airlines, those furloughed pilots and those zero time pilots, like I was, uh, any, if I didn't have at least 74.5 hours in both December and January, then I would be brought up to that. So, Hey, I mean, talk about starting off the the new year with some good news. We're all very happy. That, that happened. I know there are well, a lot Rob, of guys you, that needed that. You know. Yeah. Have you talked to anybody that uh has received a check yet for that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I do have a close personal friend that I've known for over 30 years. Um he retired military and then um got hired on here at legacy and he was furloughed December one himself. And so he spent the whole month of December just trying to he uh, tried to get back on with his uh, previous employer, which was Lockheed Martin, but they would only hire him back. Um, they wouldn't hire him back unless he came back full time, and uh, they knew that he was a legacy pilot, and um, he'd be, you know, headed back to a legacy as soon as he got recalled. So, um, yeah, he was he was uh, really really thankful that. Legacy stepped up and um, mailed out the, uh, the checks right away. And, um, you know, he still has his military retirement, but it's not enough to, uh, you know, make ends meet. So, hey, yeah, yeah, he, he was really thankful for that. So,
0: yeah, it, it's actually a very good time. Unfortunately, this really is a Band-Aid yeah. uh, because it's only a 90-day process come the end of March. uh, March, The CARES Act will expire, unless it is potentially extended, which I don't see that happening. The good news is the TSA throughput numbers that we've been following every day have been over the 1 million mark, with the exception, I think, of New Year's Day was below. But um, people are flying. People are flying, and that is evident from what I saw. Now, Roger, you've also had a pretty full schedule flying your private executive flying have, has it been business back to normal or close to normal for you?
1: Um, I don't know if it was ever really affected. Um, other than the first couple of months, I think that, you know, in the middle of March when everything shut down and it was kind of just that initial shock for March and April and kind of even into May. And then after that, when summer started coming around after, you know, people kind of got their footing, mm-hmm. it's been almost business as usual and it's i mean especially you know cuz i kind of switched um switched operators or switched clients in the middle of summer i mean these guys that that i've been primarily flying for the last 4 months or so uh, they're going gangbusters um yeah we had a slight lull at the beginning of december but then the holidays came and i've been you know i've only had a few days off here and there in the past what maybe 3 weeks or so um hmm. You know, it's a very different environment, as yeah. as we talk about fairly regularly, than the airlines. Yeah. But, Just
2: curious, are your your owners are they are they uh, traveling for business or mostly for uh, pleasure this time of year, or is it combination of both?
1: I mean, it's it's been a combination of both. There's been a little bit more personal flights mm-hmm. over the over the holiday season. On the whole, if you were to look at it, you know, from a from an annual standpoint, it's definitely mostly business. However, yeah. lately, it's been uh, generally more personal. That's cool. So.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I had an opportunity to have a couple of days off between uh, the Christmas trip that I, that I had and the New Year's trip. And on one of those days, I took my daughter out for the day. We had a daddy-daughter day, cool. uh, as we often do. And we, we decided to go and get some poke. It was my daughter loves poke. And and so we went to the, our normal place. And of course they were closed for the holiday and we didn't expect that. So we ended up in a new place and, and I was like, well, there, you can't eat inside the restaurant here in California. It's only to go right now in Southern California. We have this uh, enhanced, whatever they call, are calling it enhanced, uh, quarantine restrictions or whatever it is. And so we took it to go And it wasn't close to a park. It was in a a strip mall kind of area. And I thought, well, Cable Airport's like two blocks away from here. Let's go watch airplanes. And she's like, yeah, okay, Dad, let's, let's do that. So we went up there and parked the car. Now, what's so great about Cable Airport in Southern California is you can actually park the car. And the lot, there's like a concrete barrier that's maybe a couple feet tall. So the car doesn't, you know, it can't go past the parking area. But other than this little short little barrier, the runway's right there and the taxiways right there. There's no fence, there's no anything. It's just a GA. It's a private GA airport that's been there for a very long time. It was uh, owned by, I think it was the cable family. If I do a little history on it, I could probably tell you more. But um, it was wonderful to sit there and and have some some good lunch, you know, with my my offspring and See her enjoy watching the airplanes come in and touch down. That's awesome. And, you know, Is, does she? Uh, airplanes.
2: Does she? Does she get into the airplanes? I mean, does she? Uh, you know, does does it hold her attention? Does she know what kind of yeah. planes they are and stuff like that? Or
0: not really. I mean, she thinks it's cool. Yeah. Uh, but she's really not interested in aviation. At least she says that she's not right now, mm-hmm. um, and that's okay. Uh, and I think a lot of or a lot of um, children of aviators, they, yeah. there's very few that actually go, I want to do that too. Um, yeah. Because I yeah. think they see the reality more than the dreamers. Yeah. They see the reality that, you know, <laughs> mom or dad are pilots and they're flying all the time. And then when mm-hmm. they come home, you know, it, it, it's hard. It's hard. Does she like to fly,
2: like go on trips whenever you go? I mean, if she looks sure, forward she to Oh, she loves kind of stuff. being
0: on an airplane. She yeah. loves hotels, and I mean, because it's Sit different. Sit in the it's, window seat and all that. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Nah, not so much. I mean, I no. think this generation now—they're more interested in. Do I have Wi-Fi access throughout the oh. flight? <laughs> you know, they don't yeah. even want to see the movie. They just want Wi-Fi access throughout the flight, so yeah. they can.
2: With my know, two yeah. girls, one of them always wants the window seat, and the other oh, one, one would like the window seat, but. I think her second highest priority is like you said, <laughs> what movie am I going to watch? How do I get on the wifi? <laughs> right. Right. So,
0: But yeah. you know, I, I just appreciate the little moments. I, I try not to push yeah. aviation on her. I told her yeah. just today, actually we were having a conversation and I said, you know, there's a free program online right now. I think uh, it was the AOPA um, program that I saw that uh, throughout the beginning of January, they were having some kind of thing where, it was like some beginning to online courses, uh, that you can take a look at, but she's like, no, I'm not, I'm not really interested in that right now. She's, you know, into other things and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, but fine. as we were sitting there, watching, you know, eating lunch, watching these airplanes, a car pulled up next to me. Now I say a car, but it really, it was like a, a Dodge, you know, super duty, 2,500. I don't know what it was. 2,500 diesel comes in, lifted truck. I mean, I'm in a, SUV a a explorer. <laughs> and this thing, I mean, I had to look up to see the bottom of their window. This thing was a monster and it pulls up and, and, you know, they have their windows down. I had my windows down and they're there to watch airplanes. It's a, a guy and a gal, you know, probably boyfriend, girlfriend kind of thing. And he's, you can hear him, you know, clear as day. He's got pretty loud guy. And I hear, Oh, Oh, looks like he's a little high. Oh, maybe he's a little low. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, he floated it. He floated it. It, it. He floated it. You know, and just, I look over at my daughter and she kind of smiles and like, turns her eyes to me. Is like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Yeah. You know, so we were there another probably 30 minutes. Um, and every single flight or every single plane that came in, like he knew it all. Like, it's like, oh, oh no, oh no. He, uh, he landed too flat on that one. No, man. No, no, no. Oh, he, he makes battle power. <laughs> so do you so think, the whole time.
2: <laughs> I was going to say, do you think the plane spotters at all the major major airports uh,
0: do that to us, too, when we're coming in?
3: <laughs> you know, I don't <laughs> like know. They see you landing on your know. bus.
0: Oh, he's too high. He's too fast. Oh. <laughs> you know, I really don't know. But, I mean, it, it really, at first, it put a smile on my face just to kind of sure. hear somebody. Because, you know, they're new. Because yeah. somebody anybody that's been doing this long enough knows yeah. that yeah, you know, it's only a matter of time. We've we've all made every single mistake that you can think of um at oh, one yeah. point or another. So humility comes, I think, with experience, but it was funny. And then at one point she looks over at him and goes, you know, the next time you're out here doing touch and goes, I'm gonna come out here and critique you. <laughs> And I look over again awesome. at my daughter and she's like smiling going, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you know, it was cool that she didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. Yeah. Uh, and then we finally left. And then as we we're driving off, I looked at, at my daughter and I go, you know, we've all been there, especially at the beginning when it's all exciting and new and, you know, <laughs> but don't be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I th- I thought I'd mention it not to not to poke fun obviously there's no the the names and, and yeah. dates have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty alike but <laughs> you know the the point is be humble especially if you're starting out even if yeah. you're a, you know been doing this forever there's yeah. always you weren't there you know I love it when you hear Guys talk about accidents in the crew room and they're like, oh, they, they did this and they did that and they forgot to put, you know, they forgot to go to Toga analysis. Uh-oh. It's like, wow, that's a wonderful analysis. Um, didn't know yeah. you were an accident investigator, worked for the NTSB. Yeah.
2: That's cool. You know, guys talk about the Max. I mean, we're quick to say, oh, they were, you know, poorly trained pilots. They, you know, we're the world best pilots. We have the AOAs on our thing. Oh, that would never happen to us. Yeah.
0: No way. You know, humility goes a long <laughs> way. It's part of yeah. that whole not burning bridges because sometimes yeah. you might say something and you think that no one's listening but someone that you didn't intend to hear what you said hears it and then they automatically will are going to develop an opinion of you and then who knows maybe that's going to be your captain on the next trip and you're already starting off on the wrong foot. Yeah. So don't be that guy. Uh, that's the point of all this. Uh, don't be that guy. I mean, it's all cool. We all do it. We all sit there and go, Oh, it was a good landing. I remember in deer Valley, I'm going to go flashback to deer Valley. So You know, 2004 or something like that. Uh, I'd come in, uh, for a landing. And one time I saw the, the flight instructor told me, look up in the control tower, look up in the control tower. And as I'm taxing, you know, by, I look up in the control tower and I see a big white sign and it said seven on it. From the control <laughs> tower. And I'm like, what's that? He's like, he rated your landing. He said it was a seven. I was like, you're kidding me. So he's like, you better make this, net, you know, we're taxing back. You're going to do one more, you know, full stop taxi back. I want to see at least a nine or a 10. And sure enough, I was like, oh, I was sweating. I was, you know, I was white knuckling the yoke and I was coming down. i was like, I was going to make this a 10. You know, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. And I came in and, you know, it was a pretty good landing. I was in a Piper Arrow. No, I was in a Piper Archer. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, uh, you know, it was a good landing. He was like, oh, that was good. And as we taxied back, I got a nine. <laughs> and I was like, "Do you know them?" And and he's like, "No, they they you know they know us and this uh-huh. flight school, so you know they they do this for fun, you know, when when it's not too busy." Uh-huh. Uh, that didn't last very long uh, because what had happened, uh, what I heard had happened allegedly was that they were doing that, and there was a very attractive woman who drove her Corvette onto the ramp to get into her airplane, and they saw. Uh, a student do a very bad landing and they gave them like a three and she didn't know that's what was happening. She looks up and sees a guy holding a sign that says three. And she thought that they were judging she her. She
2: was on the app hot or not or something. And I guess, she's right? like,
0: yeah. And she was very <laughs> offended. So the airport manager got a phone call and that was halted oh, immediately. Ugh.
1: I would like to point out uh, for for our younger listeners, learning to land that white knuckling the yoke is generally (laughs) not the recipe for a nine or 10 landing. So I'm going to go ahead and call out uh, our own Captain Tony here and say that his white knuckle flight there did not result in the great landing. But, you know, I just got a nine because there are people that are not as, you know, grandiose as you uh, gripping the yoke. So much that your knuckles turn white. Not the way that you want to be landing an aircraft. Yeah, <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> Gentle touch. Yes. The finesse yeah. it. Flight you with know? your
1: fingertips.
2: Finger that's right. and thumb. Fingertips. Trim is Unless your friend. Unless you're trying to tip. fly a Seneca, but that's besides the point. Yeah, right. Yeah, Well, Seneca, then still trim is your trim, friend. You yeah.
3: Within
2: <laughs> <laughs> A lot up Three trim. trims down. <laughs> flare. That way when you flare, you actually flare.
0: <laughs> you know. So it's funny. You know, th- this is what happened on my little my little time. I wanted to mention the, the don't be that guy and I, and I think we, <laughs> we excellently uh, placed us all together. Yeah um, but thank you for, <laughs> for not nailing me <laughs> to the wall with my white knuckle. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, comments, but yeah, Well, you know, some there. other exciting news has happened uh, in the past few weeks that jetpack man, has been spotted yet again. This is the third occurrence. Dude. The third occurrence of jetpack man. And he's I don't know, some daredevil. I was very skeptical to this. The first time
2: I can't believe they haven't you know, caught
0: this guy yet. It's pretty interesting uh that this happened. This happened kind of, I think it was over the beach area, about seven miles from LAX. So it was mm-hmm. nowhere near the LAX airspace, probably under it. Um, But someone uh, taking off from an airport, uh, that was a passenger in a a private jet or a corporate jet, uh, did a video. And it was pretty interesting. And it was covered by the local ABC 7 News. And I just uh, have a little bit of that now. A close encounter between a high-flying daredevil wearing a jetpack and a private plane has led to an FBI investigation. As ABC's Will Carr tells us, this time a passenger on that plane captured the sight on camera
3: a scary sight soaring across Southern California. That speck (laughs) in the sky is what appears to be a jetpack. At 3,000 feet, it's streaking past this pilot in a private plane. The close encounter just seven miles from LAX. This is not the first suspected jetpack sighting near LA's largest airport. This past fall, two others were reported to be dangerously close to planes taking off and landing where a crash could be catastrophic. One reportedly coming within 300 yards of a passenger jet.
1: We just passed a guy in a jetpack. don't hear that every day.
3: Well, jetpacks are growing in popularity, sightings are rare. Earlier this year, a pilot for Jetman Dubai documented a flight at 6,000 feet. That flight lasted for three minutes. Most jetpacks can only fly for a couple minutes and can't get very high. The one that was flying around here bucked those norms, and the FBI is now investigating that close call. Well, so that
0: is... Wow! ABC Seven affiliate here in Los Angeles uh, reported. Now, how do you that's three thousand feet over Palisades? Are these things like garage built? They have to be. Well, you can buy packs. them. I mean, they have the were... winged jetpacks. you well, know, that's you can I'm... buy them. So that's the reason for why it... I asked that is because whoever's
2: uh, selling them, they you, need to. What be... are they made for? They need to have. I mean, look how much. Look how much regulations are being put on drones. Yeah. Right now, I mean, why aren't these jetpacks, if they're being sold by a company, having to go through, you know, all kinds of hoops and, you know, uh, you know, regulation mm-hmm. and stuff to get these things sold, uh, unless you register them with the FAA and put. Well, on everything them has all to have a transponder stuff, you know? now. I
0: mean, I think even hotter balloons now, if you right. fly at night, have to have nav lights and a transponder. I mean, this is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. yeah, my drone
2: has well, to have really, that. So, it's, yeah, yeah, you have to have your nav lights and got to have a oh, positioning okay. light, get a clearance to take off if you're in controlled airspace yeah. and all that you know, this, stuff.
0: Uh, yeah. This ABC7 uh, link I'll put in the show notes, but it, it does indicate in there that uh, the instructor with the local flight school, captured the footage of what appears to be the elusive jetpack man flying off the coast of Palos Verdes at an altitude of 3,000 feet. There have been at least two jetpack sightings this year by commercial pilots flying near Los Angeles International, and but there was no footage of it. The FAA and the FBI are investigating those sightings as jetpacks jet can represent a hazard to aircrafts. Can you imagine the damage and potential death involved with hitting something like that, with that much equipment and fuel on Uh board. I mean, it would be, it would be like hitting a little airplane. Well,
2: just think, you know, you know, when Roger and Tony, you and I fly these planes, I mean, you know, we're below obviously 10,000 feet below 250 knots, but you know, when you see something that you need to, um, avoid, it's too late. I mean, you can't, your eyes are looking for big things for big airplanes, for stuff like that. And, and just a little dude up there, your eyes are, will very rarely pick something up like that. Um, and when you do it happens, so they'll be by yeah. you so fast. You won't even know, especially if they're,
0: you know, head on, but no, well, think about oh it, you know, gosh, that you're would, doing, that would... you accelerate out of Los Angeles, you almost immediately go to 250 knots. Almost every yeah. major international airport, Miami, you know, New York, anywhere, sure. you're going to want—they're going to want you to accelerate to 250 knots as soon as possible, unless there's a speed restriction on yeah. the departure of some kind. And they want you out of there. They want you out of there quickly so that they can hand you off yeah. to the departure controller as soon as possible. So, 250 yeah. knots hitting something as small as a bird can do major damage. Can you imagine hitting something as yeah. as big as a human? Well, yeah.
2: And also to add to that, uh, you know, when you're departing these uh, busy airspace, you know, you're on usually some kind of an, uh, um, you know, departure track, um, RNAV, um, SID, or, you know, Vector. And, you know, because we're we're under, you know, everything is so tight, the tolerances as far as, you know, distance uh, clearances and altitudes and headings and everything like that. You know, we do scan outside, obviously, when you're flying VFR conditions, but you're looking inside to make sure you're on your airspeed, you're on your altitude, you're on your heading, you're on your ground track. So a lot of your, you know, your, a lot of your scan is, uh, is, is, you know, just going through the cockpit and then out the window. So you're not, you know, people don't realize we're not just staring out the window the whole time looking for, you know, jet packs and birds and yeah in planes I mean we are looking for that stuff but it's not like you're you know this is what I'm looking for and it's there's going to be one yeah. out there <laughs> you know what I mean so I need to keep my eyes peeled out for it I mean you're yeah. you're really busy and then you know really down low you're probably doing a checklist mm-hmm. you're probably uh you know configuring the airplane and
0: yeah it's an 80 20 split and when you're taking off and you're climbing out you're yeah. 80% outside and 20% inside but as soon as you rotate and now you're on a path you're, you're navigating, you're, you're 80% inside yeah. and 20% outside. And to, the yeah, idea crazy. I've seen, you know, mylar balloons go past the airplane on, on approach into Los Angeles yeah. many times. And it is a blink. I mean, if you yeah. blink, you're going to miss it. And if you're not looking outside yeah. at that very moment, yeah. you're not going to see it because it's, yeah. it, it's so.
2: It takes a second for you to, to process yeah. it too. Cause I mean, sometimes you see it and you, you're like, Oh, I see something there. But then you're like, okay, we're in an airplane. It's, be, it's this big in your eyeballs, so it's probably yeah. way the hell out there. And next thing you know, it stays that yep. big and it just goes shoosh, yeah. right by you. So by the time you're like, you know, click, 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 turn everything off, you know, avoid everything, it's you're ready yeah. hit it. Yeah, yeah. and it's not like it. you can
0: maneuver a hundred and fifty or 180,000-pound airplane like it's a Cessna 152. It's not going to happen. So even if you see it, no. No. And, and even if you're hand-flying at the time, yeah. you're still not going to be able yeah. to maneuver possibly yeah. out of the way. So very very dangerous, yeah. very irresponsible. Um Fair. there needs to be regulation. I
2: hope they do something. There
0: really does. Um and I think maybe this might open the door for that. Now, why is the FBI investigating? Um I heard from another podcast yeah. they're like, "Well, why is the FBI investigating? What 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 do they have? It's the FAA we should be investigating." Well, yeah, that's true, but the FAA governs the airspace, the regulatory, the regulatory. stuff, yeah, right? What regulation yeah. is there other than an unauthorized vehicle in airspace? I mean, so the FBI yeah. is is they investigate also laser strikes. So you know you do something, yeah. you're you're doing a crime. That's the FAA doesn't investigate yeah. crime; they investigate regulatory stuff. Yeah.
2: Well, I, I can think of a whole bunch of regulations they violated, you know, and that's probably what they're going to punch the guy with, you know, yeah. when they catch him.
0: Well, so, that was sighting number three. He's, I'm sure uh, unless they live under yeah. a rock and they just happen to build a, uh, their jetpack in a cave and they don't watch television. <laughs> I'm mean, sure they know
1: what they're doing because <laughs> they're making the news. They're getting they're becoming famous. Yeah. And yeah, how do you fly three jetpack flights and not and, and nobody know who you are, though? Thank well, you. I know. I mean, doesn't that beg the question? Like, yes. how, how is it possible that you've now thrown, flown three flights in a jetpack and nobody knows who you are? Okay. Wait, so the first rule land? of
0: Jetpack Club is we don't talk about Jetpack Club. Don't, don't. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: Exactly. What about
1: everybody else? Okay. It's not part of the club.
2: So out of the three of us, the next time we're flying around in that airspace and we witness this guy flying. Click, 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 declaring an emergency. We see the guy in a jetpack. I'm going to follow him until <laughs> he lands because I guarantee you I have more fuel than
0: that guy does in a helicopter. Now, if you're flying a helicopter, you flats, know, yeah. Gear down. <laughs> if you're flying a helicopter, maybe. I'm yeah, just going to do pirouettes. You know, and it's only a matter of time. But see, here, here's the smart thing. So, this guy's obviously got a brain on, on his shoulders because he is operating sure. every single time in the vicinity of Los Angeles International where helicopters need clearance to enter the airspace. So he, yeah. he obviously could, he potentially could be monitoring with a handheld radio to see if there are any you know, law enforcement helicopters or news helicopters in the area. And if there are not, because they would have to have clearance to get in the airspace.
1: Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Let me get this straight. Your theory is that this guy has strapped a jet to his back Gone up to three thousand feet. Well, and no, it's got a prior, little-
0: prior to the flight, because the flights,
1: <laughs> the flights are only five minutes. He did a
0: pre-flight, so he
2: satisfied ninety-one two hundred five yeah. and know everything. He probably about filed his flight. a flight plan. You know, if he just
0: look a little harder, probably find it out there. Don't be that
2: guy. <laughs> and I think I got that right. Ninety-one two hundred five. Isn't that the pre-flight thing? I don't, you do that, I don't know. <laughs>
1: Not to mention that this guy's got to have a brain. He got within a thousand feet of a passenger jet airliner, but he's got a brain.
0: My, my, hats off to this guy. (laughs) He's really got it going on. Yeah. So here's to you, jetpack guy.
3: I
1: mean, yeah. Call. I, we're going to call him Buck Rogers. I th- these videos. I mean, I haven't seen the videos, but we've got a couple yeah. of you know commercial pilots saying that they've seen a jetpack, and now we have a video. I, I just, I got, yeah. I have a lot of questions about this. Yeah. Like, does this guy have brains, or is he just flat out? <laughs> well, is he flat 3, out nuts? Thousand
2: feet. I mean, he that's got really high too. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, how much jet? Someone do you have ber- in that pack, you know what I mean? Not to, yeah, not to mention the fact how big is it? How much fuel can you possibly ah, carry to get yourself ah. up to three yeah, thousand feet? The first and sighting, get back
0: home? and I, and yeah. we talked about this on on the show before, and I had audio from ATC recordings from the first sighting back when it happened, and yeah, they were reported him at six thousand feet, which was like, wait a minute, you Holy know, I've mackerel. seen these jet packs, I've seen the YouTube videos, I've seen those like Red Bull jetpack wing suits. Yeah, and, yeah, and I've the seen wings. them, you know, yeah, a couple different. thousand feet, yeah. maybe, or off the side of a mountain, but yeah. still always, you know, yeah. within a couple thousand feet of the earth. Yeah. The minute you get a thousand feet above the ground, you know, you're in the airspace, and that you're going to have to account for something. Especially, if you're under the Bravo. This guy's, this uh, guy yeah. hasn't been caught. Uh, I'm looking forward to the next sighting. <laughs> are you, are you familiar with that
2: airspace over there? Where does the shelf of the uh, Bravo? Actually. Um, start do all know
0: yeah um i don't know i just curious. let me pull it up here on my
2: if i would imagine three thousand feet would be over the palisades of some of the
1: Let's some of the areas here.
0: class bravo airspace los angeles over the palisades oh wait that's st louis that's crazy
1: this <laughs> is <it's> beyond crazy <laughs> <laughs> I still, can't, I'm still trying to wrap my head around. There's a guy I, that straps a jet to his back and is the one flying around LAX. You know what I'm going to, I can't see, wait. And nobody
2: can find him. I know. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, this is going to be a great Netflix series, dude. <laughs> Some dude in the garage building these jet packs. And he's like, Hey, I'm going to go fly it around. I got an And idea. The, the whole story is the FBI is trying to catch him. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is like the next point break is going to have Jetpack Man on it. I'm telling you. The airspace where it, yeah, Jetpack yeah. Man was sighted. Okay. I just looked it up under the uh, Class Bravo chart under the Jepsen um, diagram here. The surface to 10,000 feet is Class Bravo, where he was over the Palisades. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he's... um wow. Then when you get over past, uh, let's see, Victor 27 in that area, uh, that's 2,000 to 10,000. So if he was sighted at 3,000, even if he was out over the water, he's still in in class Bravo. So, I mean, there's all kinds of things that (laughs) are wrong with this picture.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. Look out for jetpack, man, flying around L.A. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i didn't believe it i thought it was <laughs> like crazy. a mylar balloon or something that somebody saw and thought maybe it was a jetpack person because when you're flying past it hundreds of miles an hour how can you know but now there's video yeah, he's just jet buck rogers how style. do you
1: control it did you guys ever see the rocketeer yeah
0: with the helmet and then that was the thing yeah. yeah 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 he could how
1: yeah. does he control this know, thing
3: man.
2: Well, I think I, I, the jetpacks—you you move your hands, and that controls the. I bet you it has like fucking rudders. So you're, 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 the, thrust the way your, the way your CG is in the in the on the pack, you you oh you can you pretty much control your you know uprightness because of your CG on the uh, the way it's positioned on the pack. So all you have to do is just aim. You know, have you ever seen those the water? Um, the things that are powered like a like a jet ski and they kind of hover with the water thrust there but they can just sit there and hover it's kind of the same thing just the way that the their cg is on the uh on the thrust i mean they they
1: I didn't need to go back cuz it didn't it look like he was almost perfectly yeah. upright but moving yeah like
0: iron man dude like iron man yeah he flies upright i'm overthinking this <laughs> he doesn't
2: fly like this for sure he's not a uh Aerodynamic. uh So, how do you style? move
1: horizontally if if the if you're you lean forward, you just
2: it's kind of like a helicopter. You lean forward, you you aim your thrust, your thrust. It you just looked like he was yeah.
1: so upright. I don't know, Look like yeah. an astronaut.
2: Yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, it like yeah, jetpack, jetpack
0: man. Anyway. We're we're looking for you. We're looking for jetpack, you. Man. Yeah, there you go. Sure.
1: That's funny. And your and your walkie-talkie.
3: I'm radio. sure.
0: I'm sure you have a team of people. <laughs> that, you know, because where do you land? You probably don't land where you took off and you got to get in a van somewhere and hide because you're going to be on a hillside with nobody. Well, who doesn't have a camera nowadays? If the FBI is investigating,
1: that's what I'm saying. How can he not be
0: caught? I know. They've got to have video of, you
2: know, like a storefront or, you know, a security camera from a building or a. I got hours. it, that's
1: especially fun. in the L.A. area. There's he's like, like Night Rider. Of people in L.A. He's, he <laughs>
0: approaches the semi truck and he flies into the semi truck and it and it closes and then you and you never. <laughs> this, that's that's what happened. I'm sure. Of yeah. it. <laughs> Let's look for a black. The side of the truck look that for a like black uh, like semi truck <laughs> that says Night Industries on it. You know. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, not, I'm, I'm still going with it. Yeah. We do not have the no, whole we story don't. Here. I mean,
2: It's yeah. probably all. It's all conspiracy. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's
0: so crazy, no man. no jetpack sightings from you wow. guys? No, not yet. Okay, nope. I'm looking. I, no, I'm watching. <laughs> drone. You did see a saw a drone. drone here in Dallas
2: a couple uh, a couple really? months ago. Yeah, yeah, landing in Dallas to uh two uh, we're on approach to the mm. seven center and we have three thousand feet final approach fix. Hey, there's a drone about quarter uh, not even a quarter about. 400, 500 feet to the west of the final approach course for one seven seven. center Where the hotel is. Like, um, yeah, a little, little yeah. bit further oh, okay. out. Yeah, because um, there's a yeah. hotel
0: on 1-7-Center yeah. off the left side and in the summertime you look. Yeah, when you land on one 7 you, see the left, pool. Yeah, you can see the, the pool. you can look down in the pool and yeah. you're like, any, any hotties yeah. down there? Yeah. <laughs> as you, as yeah. you fly by.
1: It's no, not nearly as exciting no. as Jetpack, man. Only when you're yeah, the Yeah, only, only the captain
0: though. gets to enjoy that one. <laughs> Yeah. We don't see that anymore in the right seat. (laughs) Well, you know, we all, we, before the show, we were all talking about holding. We all, all three of us got a chance to hold this week. I mean, for me, and I posted a little bit on our socials about it. Um, It was exciting because I haven't held for a while. And what was kind of exciting about this is it wasn't for weather. Both Rob and I had to hold uh, at different airports but mine was for volume and the funny thing is it was for volume from LA to phoenix and so we we wow. were taxiing out and they're like well you have an you have a edict estimated departure clearance time and we're like uh what because we knew that the weather in phoenix was good and what's the edict yeah. for oh for volume so you know they told us you know taxi bravo and then hold short of whatever it was uh and we had to wait about 5 minutes And then they allowed us to continue. We took off. As soon as we took off, we did the loop, you know, going back towards Phoenix. It wasn't the loop. It was the, I think the dots three departure. And we started heading eastbound. And almost immediately the LA center, once we leveled off at altitude said, uh, can you maintain uh, 250 knots? (laughs) like uh what <laughs> yeah uh for volume uh they're re- they're requesting that you fly 250 knots I'm like yeah we can do it so we did we were at kind of a lower altitude so 250 knots was not out of the question and uh we were speed restricted the whole way uh by ATC and then they gave us holding and i was like oh wait i'm ready for this i remember how to do this so now granted holding in a an airliner is nothing like holding with steam gauges and trying to, you know, time, tune, twist, throttle, talk. No. no, it has nothing to do. Like, we All we do is we go, okay, <laughs> hold is published at this fix, and we go into the FMGC, and we type in that fix, and we just hold. Okay, yeah. activate. It's all in the database. It's all there, and we just verify the information's correct. It's going to turn in the right direction. And the only thing we have to worry about is... Being on speed, being configured correctly, and as soon as we enter the hold, we let ATC know that we're entering the hold, and they reiterate our EFC, which was 15 minutes. And it was due to volume into the Phoenix area. So we were turning, and I looked over to the captain. I'm like, when's the last time you held? He's like, a year ago. (laughs) And I went, yeah, (laughs) this is actually kind of good news, right? It means we're busy. And he's like, yeah, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> so we did a couple turns in the hold and, and, you know, not a big deal. We, we continued on our way and landed without incident. Rob, you are telling me you held for volume as well. What was your situation? That's correct. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We were headed back from Palm Springs, um, on the arrival to sock, I think it's a sock three arrival into DFW. Weather was good. Um, severe, clear airport was in a North flow and, um, we check on with Fort Worth center and they go, yeah, expect holding on the next frequency. And, you know, me and the captain deers went, what? Cause we didn't have uh, any alternates planned or anything like that. So we're wondering what the situation was this time. Was it another ATC zero event going on? Um, But so, you know, we queried them and they were just like, yeah, it's just because of uh, traffic. Uh, too much traffic going oh. in the dfw so we requested the uh we asked the slow to slowest mm-hmm. practical speed for the hold and they gave us they gave us uh you know speed at our discretion and descend to maintain 240 so we were at like i think we we're at 3330 descended down to 240 and they just told us to expect one turn in the hold gave us an efc time of like 15 minutes And um, yeah, so we slowed down to about 220 knots, 24,000 feet, held over the fix, 10-mile legs. We uh, turned inbound, and when we were about, oh, I guess three or four miles from uh, the holding fix on the inbound leg. And I go, all right, cleared to the, I think it was the Boove intersection, and resumed the arrival, cleared to descend via the, uh, the SOC 3 arrival. So we're like, rock on, <laughs> exit, hold, direct boof, booth, 320 knots. <laughs> and uh, so that you know, took, took about added about 10 minutes to our yeah. flying time. But yeah, sure enough, you know, and we got into the terminal environment and they were busy, man. They were, we came in from the West side and they sent us all the way to the East side to land. So oh, wow. um, yeah, a little bit of taxi yeah. time there. Yes. Yeah, haven't held, haven't held in a while. I mean, that probably been a good eight months ago yeah. or so. I never myself. thought
0: that I would say, oh my gosh, this well, is cool. When I'm <laughs> given holding instructions. Yeah.
1: <laughs> You're the only one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is cool. I thought it was kind of neat. I was like, oh, that's good practice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, copy
2: sweet. holding instructions. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes! On the, so for us, it was on the go home leg. So we we're kind of like, come on. Oh, well, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: we, and
1: like Captain Tony's still, you know, he's building his flight time. You they're know, building
0: like, time for the
2: majors. Oh, is there a cloud? Yeah, that's
1: right. Point 0.1 right there. <laughs> yeah, that's it.
0: Now, Roger, the you also held, unfortunately, it wasn't for volume. It was for something a little more serious.
1: Yeah, it was kind of a little bit of a combination. Weather was the was the precipitating factor for it. Um, we were going into Truckee, which is a controlled airport. However, they do not have any radar. And because of that, they can only have one airplane going in and out uh-huh. at any given time. And so normally when, as long as the weather's good, most pilots will cancel. Um, for one of two reasons, either the guy in front of them hasn't canceled, in which case, if you cancel and you go VFR, you're on your own. Um, or we try and cancel early to, to let the next guy kind of get in. But unfortunately, when you got to shoot an approach, you don't have that option. And so we were um number three oh, wow. for the approach and um, and there was one departure as well. And so they had told us to slow down. So we slowed down. We slowed way down and we got a, a couple of a vector turns and then actually culminated in, in holding. And we probably did you know, our holding instructions were hold is published on the approach and leg lengths your discretion. <laughs> Uh, we did 10-mile uh, legs and oh, wow. slowed it way down. We, I think we probably did three, three or four turns in the hold, yeah. actually, um, and then got one descent, and then we, we got cleared for the approach, which um, turned out to be somewhat a little bit more exciting than did we anticipated in and of itself. What was your alternate? So was our alternate yep. Reno. Yeah. Right, man, on, the okay, so right the, on the other side. Right on the other side. Right on the other side of the mountains. It's kind of an interesting approach. It's, I think probably the for the first time I'd shot an approach that I can ever remember that we actually broke out laterally and not oh, vertically.
2: Really? Oh really? You could see sideways. Was, we, it, or in you front could,
1: you? like we got to minimums because as an MDA. Um, it was uh-huh. a non-precision approach, and we got to our MDA, and we're like, "This is not good." <laughs> like the weather at the airport was fine. Like we should have broken out like a thousand feet ago. Uh And we were coming up on getting pretty close to the missed approach point. And then all of a sudden, it's like we came out of the cloud bank, and then you could see it. But it wasn't because we were any lower. It was because just we came out of this cloud bank. And I I, like I said, I can't remember. Actually, it was such a vivid, like, zero, zero in a cloud. And then all of a sudden, laterally, just came out the other side. Wow. And then we were able to land. But yeah, that that was a little bit different it was a little bit different, especially when you're listening to the weather and you think, you, you know, you start this approach. OK, well, we've got like a thousand feet to spare on this approach. And then all of a sudden you're you're in the soup <laughs> and right. you're coming up to your missed approach point going, was this weather so wrong? Especially because it was a one minute weather. It wasn't uh, even an ATIS. So you had right. new weather yeah, every single minute. Yeah. That yeah. So and, wrong. And,
0: and,
2: yeah. That'd be neat if they gave you the weather, the visibility and the ceiling at the final
0: approach fix. Wouldn't that be nice? That would be helpful.
2: <laughs> yeah. That'd be so helpful, because then you know if you're going to see the runway or not. Obviously, Rob everybody has a different... that tech, and then we'll talk. Uh, yeah, yeah. everybody has a different minimum. Now, right? on, do but, you remember,
0: so, Roger, was your MDA, obviously your minimum descent altitude on the approach, was your missed approach point the runway threshold, or was it prior to that?
1: It's the... On that particular approach, I'm almost positive the missed approach point was a little bit prior okay. to the runway threshold. Mm. Um, but it's also because, you know, Truckee is in the right. middle of the mountains. And so yeah. our, our MDA, I want to say, it was probably around 1,400 oh, feet or so, so above still... the ground. So even it... if you had made it to the missed approach point, even though it was prior to the to the runway threshold, there's no way that you could have Was that a GPS
2: with... approach? I, I don't know if I yeah, picked up yeah, on that. Yeah, it
1: was an RNAV approach. Okay but there's so just no flat-out. way you could have actually made that landing using normal, normal maneuvers, which is one of those things was, that you need.
2: I was going to ask you, do you, do y'all have a, uh, um, obviously, uh, you know, some of them have a visual descent point and obviously a missed approach point. Do you guys, um, practice the, uh, constant rate of descent profile on those approaches? So you, know, you have an MDA, but do you fly it like an ILS? And then when you get to, uh, your MDA, you know, you can't, and you don't have the runway. Um, you know, if you're on your constant rate of descent, do you just so, level off and then truck in or like us, as soon as we hit, you know, our, our MDA on, on the constant rate of descent, if we pick up the airport, you know, we, if we don't pick up the airport by that point, we have to go around because we're not going to be able to make, make a normal BDP. descent. To the, we typically
1: the, do the dive and drive, yeah. you know, you know, I've I've, I've had this discussion with many a pilot and actually had this discussion in the airplane talking (laughs) about this approach because what ends up happening, depending on what you're doing, if you want to do the math for it, it'll work out okay. But what can happen too frequently, and this was an an example of it, is that our airplane will actually make a glide slope from your final approach fix down to your MDA, right? Right. And make it a mm-hmm. constant descent, except what is the – your airplane is going, to, is going to make that slope in order to get to your missed approach at your MDA, mm-hmm. right? Uh, well, it depends on where the MDA yeah. is, but, yes, I see what you yeah. mean. Yeah. The problem with that becomes is when your MDA is 1,200 feet above the ground, that constant right. rate is not what's going right. to get you to the runway. And so right. you, can, you can actually program the airplane to fly that slope, but it's going, it's going to hose yeah. you. It will yeah. completely hose you. Yeah,
2: Your MDA is not going to be your missed approach point. It may be a mile and a half or, or so prior to the airport because right. of the altitude that you're concentrating. Your altitude is just going to be
1: off because otherwise you're all of a sudden diving where you, you wanted to get down prior yeah. to that. And so it kind of depends mm-hmm. on the approach.
0: Which runway was it? Yeah, was it sure 11
1: or? Yeah, it was the RNAV. Yeah. I was 11. looking at
0: that. And um, slightly. so on this one, and I don't know because I'm not really used to looking at these. Um, Is government charts. Uh, But uh, if if you're interested to follow along, airnav.com. Airnav is uh, (laughs) a great resource. You can plug in an airport. Uh, Truckee is, what, KTRK? And and you can look at uh, runway, RNAV RNAV GPS runway 11 or 11. And, yeah, so martyr is the, the missed approach point. Um, and so, if you come down uh, according to the profile view of this uh, approach, you, you'll level off an MDA on a, a regular. Actually, it looks like three point seven seven degree slope from Sunyo down to Martyr. So it's a little steeper than usual, actually. And then you get there, and you level off, and you still have a little bit of way to, to truck along. Pardon the pr- expression. And uh, before you get to Martyr, which is your missed approach <laughs> point, and if you look at it, That's it's point eight nautical miles from the threshold. So they're accounting almost a mile for you to go from your MDA to touchdown. Now, every approach is going to be tailored to that specific airport, that specific runway. Sometimes the MDA is only 400 feet above the ground. Uh, in this situation, it's much higher. So yeah, it it's, it's interesting and i and I appreciate you mentioning it because I haven't really you know us airline guys, we rarely do g p s approaches in actual it's it's a rare and, event
1: and see this is one of the things that actually i I taught a lot of and I would force people into i would box them into issues as is, is stuff like this. You talk about the m d a and you talk about the missed approach point, and let's say that you did get to your missed approach point and what what's your height above touchdown at that? At, at the uh 1816 is it so you're yeah. 1800 feet above the ground and you get to your missed approach point and you're 1800 feet above the ground you have 0. 0.8 miles to the runway threshold you get to your missed approach point and then you get the airport and the runway in sight are you going to land only if
0: there? by the reg yeah, can you can make a stabilized normal maneuvers
1: can you make a stabilized? Can you make a stabilized approach from eighteen hundred feet and lose eighteen hundred feet in 0.8 miles? No. There's not any way. There's it's actually no, and <laughs> there's a mathematical computation for it. Now I right. can ask you two airline guys, how do you figure that out? Because what it is, you know, Rob, yeah, three to one Rob you brought it up before. Yeah. Is there a visual descent point on this approach? Uh, no, I, I don't didn't even look at I this one. See here. A I'm
2: looking at it now though. I don't see one. Yeah, yeah.
1: For all you listeners out there, this is why I like to make fun of of airline guys. What is, a visual, what is a visual descent point?
2: Yeah, it's a point where you we have to pass that point before you can, if you have the airport in sight, uh, you have to pass that point, And that's the point where you can continue down to the, sending so down to the runway.
1: Does that point not, exist well, on this it, approach? Not
0: Charted,
1: of course, it does it, not yeah, charted. it, does, but
0: not charted. You have to there's calculate it yourself. there's nothing that's
1: published, so now you yeah, have right. to figure that yeah. out for yourself. So, you have to use your yeah,
0: your, your exactly. you have to do a little bit of math, public math, yeah, public <laughs>
1: math, and
0: you have to figure it out. Come <laughs> on good at yeah, it, and, and hopefully, you've done this prior to starting the approach because yeah. during the critical phase of flight, yeah. really, you know, once you start your descent, hopefully, you've briefed every scenario and you've talked about this and you've talked about the go around and you vocalized it. This is a new hot topic yep. actually at Legacy Airlines is that pilots that don't brief yeah. the minutiae of a go around. And so by not doing so, yeah. sometimes they elect in their mind to continue an unstabilized approach rather than doing a go around because they haven't briefed the uh, going around toga, positive rate, gear up, uh, go around flaps, flaps to the next mm. notch, all right, and then, you know, select whatever, whatever the that approach is going to, yeah. you know. The so by going through the, the profile vocally with your co-pilot or your captain or whoever you're flying with prior to even initiating the descent. Then when you get to that point and you're like, well, we talked about this. We knew that if we weren't going to have the runway by this point, we were going to execute a go around or a missed approach. Um And, and you stick yeah. to your guns because yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've said, yeah. all right, going around. Oh, and I see it. Oh, okay. You know, I so said <laughs> chop and drop. <laughs> and that's yeah. how accidents yeah. happen. That's how people slide off runways or land long. And yeah, so it's important. And, and, I'm very grateful that we have Roger because for him it's like oh, yeah, yeah. I do this every day uh, but for for Rob and I, yeah. I was like
2: hmm. I I've gone through it with uh yeah captains too you know they they uh, we, you know the airports uh, in a VFR environment they're clearing planes for visual approaches and you know these guys they'll brief the ILS missed approach on a visual <laughs> yeah and I'm like we're not going to be, yeah, I'm like, dude, <laughs> uh, number one, we're never going to do that. Even if we are probably on an ILS approach, but if we go around and off a visual approach, that is not the approach procedure yeah. we're following. And I said, we're doing straight ahead, 1500 feet above airport field and wait for further instructions. And if we don't receive anything, we're going to make a, a left box pattern, look for green lights and land because we are probably out of comms. So, you know, 1500 feet above the airport is 2200 feet that's what it is that we'll stop at and if we'll probably get three or four you know depending where you're at so okay anticipate that but we're stopping at 1500 feet afl because that's all
0: and we'll be right back cleared to right after a quick break
2: good stuff
0: moving forward just uh real quick i wanted to talk a little bit as i mentioned in the show opener a little bit about all-inclusive hotels now we kind of hinted to the fact that you know when you're starting out in this industry you don't want to bring your loved ones to the best of the best layovers right away uh, you want to give them the more the reality of what we do which is you know probably 80 percent of the time it's just you know some hotel with a, a view of an alleyway and, you know, a short layover and, a, you know, who knows, uh, food options that are scarce. So occasionally we are fortunate enough to go to a layover where it's really we're spoiled. I had that experience here uh, this last week. Uh, after that Phoenix holding situation, we landed in Phoenix, we swapped the aircraft and we went to Cabo San Lucas. So nice flight, relatively quick got down there, and I've never been to this particular layover hotel. I've been in Cabo many, many times, but usually, at least for the last year and a half or two, it's always been a turn in the middle of the day, and this time, it was heading to the hotel. So we landed, I think, around 7 p.m., and the whole crew jumped in the, in the van and went to this all-inclusive hotel right on the water, and it was amazing and they, they put a wristband on your wrist as soon as you check in. So you, they know that you are a guest of the hotel and the captain and I were like, well, it's kind of early. And you know, they're, they have you know the mask requirements and all the things, but it's not under total lockdown. So you want to go down and maybe grab a beer and hang out by the pool? And you know, sure. So that's what we did. Uh beautiful place. Uh everybody was social distancing and but they still were open for business. It was not crowded like you would expect, but there were still quite a few people there. Uh the next day, I got my all-inclusive breakfast on the beach. It was all outdoor seating on the beach and man, it was nice. Um what was the name of that? Was that a Marriott? No.
3: I don't remember.
0: Um that was
2: it doesn't matter, uh, but I like I've only been there once. Prince and I, something. I enjoyed it. It's not like the newest place that that's out there, but it's still pretty nice relative to. The, yeah. You know, I mean, there's some really nice hotels we stay at, but the all inclusive makes it even better.
0: Yeah, it was really. And I was like, uh, do we do we do we not have to pay for a meal here? Uh, that's kind of uh, cool. Or, or do a couple we not tips? And that's not the beers about it. are included. That's nice. Yeah. And oh oh wow, you know, and the rooms too. You yeah. know, now the, all the. For for crew members, there's no alcohol in the rooms. They right. they just that you're in a crew member room, so you know that's like if you go vacation in Cabo and you're all inclusive, you're thinking, man, these pilots are probably no. That that's all removed. They they have soda in there and water and coffee and tea and stuff like that, um, yeah. which is of course all inclusive with yeah. that too. But yeah, I had a had a meal. I I thought about going for a run, but. Um, I've heard some <laughs> yeah. kind of sketchy things about running on the beach there. And I, and there was a lot of vendors out there trying to sell me yeah. a Bolex. I didn't hats want to buy a Bolex. Stuff like
2: that. <laughs> yeah. Bolex hats and, and hats. And, and,
0: <laughs> you want me to braid your hair? No, thank you. Gracias mucho. Um, so I ended up, uh, just hanging out and getting some rays by the pool. Nice. And then uh, I guess it started to get a little crowded and they had the yeah. DJ there. It was spinning yeah. whatever they spin nowadays mp3s um yep. and <laughs> they were doing like a trivia and all the fun stuff and yeah and as the pool kind of got a little bit more crowded and and i decided well i'm just gonna go head upstairs and do some editing for my po- next podcast <laughs> so that's what i did i sat on my balcony it was a beautiful yeah. event so yes there is light at the end of that tunnel um occasionally once you get on now, Roger yeah. flies to these locations all the time. Do you like ever that. book yourself in an all inclusive when you ever you go to a place like Cabo? Uh,
1: typically, no. Um, all of our expenses are covered as it is. So we don't necessarily worry about that aspect of anything.
0: <laughs> so Man. that's really so it's always well, all inclusive. <laughs> it is always
1: all inclusive. <laughs> oh, that is definitely one way to look at it
0: so here's some a bonus when you're deciding am I going to go the airline route or am I going to go a private charter or or part one thirty five is that with the charter ops and the private ops, usually you get the company credit card, it's all inclusive and you get to go and have a meal and whatever
1: right uh yeah and there's there's definitely some variability there, and actually I would say that that what I just kind of described is in the minority. Most people are actually kind of a combination, actually more like what you guys have, <clears throat> especially in the charter world. Um, you're going to get the hotels are probably selected for you. Um, and they're always, you know, generally nice hotels, usually usually in the Marriott or the the Hilton family, but then you'll also get a per diem so that you're yeah. capped on exactly. If you want to go have your $50 lunch, um, that's fine but that might just be your meal for the day um, yeah
2: that that'll be yeah 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 you and
1: know ours ours is a little you know our that's just the agreement that that we have and we obviously try not to abuse it we choose our own hotels uh,
2: do the clients ever invite you guys out and
0: stuff like that
1: every once in a while but usually not nor do we nor is that something we ever push generally we like you know sure. try to have that that discretion and, and separation um, yeah for multiple reasons
0: of course yeah but yeah a plausible, plausible deniability exactly that, that too <laughs> but
1: every
3: once in a yeah. while
1: you know maybe once a year that something like that will happen usually on a special occasion that's yeah. cool because in the end we do i mean we do fly with fly four with the same people all the time and to sure. some degree they do become you know your friends or you're just friends yeah yeah
0: that's yeah. cool you nice. know and coming out of cabo Uh, The next day was interesting. I had not realized how many people are vacationing right now down in Mexico. The ramp at the airport, the, 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 and this is the, the international airport there in Cabo was so full. There were private jets everywhere, like parked like nose to nose in this like Tetris formation, it's like how are they going to get those airplanes out of there? There are so many airplanes on the ramp. Even the airlines, we were actually parked on a remote because there weren't any gates available. Really? We wow. Yeah, we had to have a bus take us out to our aircraft, and the the terminal was amazingly busy,
3: oh, and people were to starting
0: hear. to freak out, and and we were like, what's going on? And we were walking through security and. Both my captain and I got a ding It's like, oh, your flight is delayed. You are now departing 30 minutes prior to your scheduled departure. And we were like, wait, prior? what? Prior? How is this possible? And and then we got to ding Your flight is now delayed. You are now leaving 15 minutes prior to your scheduled. And we we're like, oh, <laughs> something's wrong. We've been hacked. It's the Russians. I know it. I know it. <laughs> And so we were just like, well, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, we we... Had plenty of time. We decided to go to Subway of Mexico at the airport there. Um, Had some good guacamole uh, placed on my sandwich. My captain goes, man, usually get avocado slices. This is awesome. (laughs) I was like, okay, man. And so, (laughs) so, you know, we we, we had our little sandwiches. We walked down to where the, the buses, you know, at the gate picked us up. And people were freaking out. They're like, well, is this flight leaving early? And it's like, they're like, no, it's not leaving early. There's a problem with the system. Well, what had happened was it went down to ATC zero. So the company software, I guess, was kind of going a little bit crazy trying to figure out delays and and all this stuff. And someone must have been adjusting times on flights that weren't necessarily affected. And so we ended up leaving on time. like like normal but it was a little bit of drama but when i got out to the airplane i was pleasantly surprised to see that at legacy airlines we have a couple liveries that are very special and one of them is very special to me it's the stand up to cancer livery at legacy on the 321 so i get there and did the walk around and took a couple pictures the reason it's special is because uh, my brother-in-law his name is, is printed on that aircraft, as are thousands of names yeah. uh, from cancer, both cancer survivors and people that have lost their yeah. lives to cancer. So yeah. it was kind of cool to, to fly that plane, and yeah. you know, I sent a picture out to my family right away, and nice. they all... We're like, oh my gosh, he's smiling down from heaven That's <laughs> right so now, cool, the dude. fact that you're flying that plane. yeah. Uh, so it was cool fl- flying out of there. Not a big deal. We did have a single engine procedure that we plugged into the secondary flight plan that uh, in, in the event yeah. that we needed it, but not a big yeah. deal. And we hadn't realized that it was an ATC Zero event in Dallas. We actually flew from there to Phoenix and somewhere in route, people were talking about it. Yeah. Um, and. Rob you said you missed it. I did. You you didn't uh you weren't flying that day. Wasn't flying that day. I can't even remember when that was.
2: I think that was uh the 30th. So the day before New Year's so. Eve. So yeah, that yeah. that was uh the day they went ATC0 and uh you know that that's a big deal. That happened in the Fort Worth Center location. So the folks that actually handled the traffic In the air route traffic control system for Fort Worth airspace. So that's pretty much the whole state of Texas, (laughs) which is huge. Yeah, it's probably, you know, just shy of less than a half or a quarter of the country. So
0: (laughs) Yeah. And there's an an article that I'll put in the show notes from the Dallas Morning News. Uh, that came out that uh, was entitled, the FAA temporarily halts flights at DFW and Dallas Love due to COVID-19 case right. at the regional control center. Mm-hmm. So they ended up stopping oh, the all the center, arrivals yeah. and departures at the North Texas' passenger airports for just over two hours. Two hours, yeah. In the middle of the day, even. Can you yeah. imagine? So yeah. what happened was a positive case of COVID-19 Uh, Was reported at this key FAA air traffic control center in Fort Worth, and it brought airline traffic to a halt. The FAA shut down all arriving and departing traffic at the two airports between 3 45 p.m. and 5 20 p.m., a period in which air traffic controllers were required to leave the control room and enact a ground stop at both airports. A set of unique circumstances included a positive COVID 19 test and a and convective weather. So there was some weather involved as well. The yeah. Combined to cease the air traffic and create delays in and around Dallas-Fort Worth late in the afternoon, said a statement from an FAA spokesperson, uh, Elizabeth Corey. Yeah. And due to a thorough and expedited cleaning, the FAA quickly resumed operations with the Fort Worth Air Traffic Control Center and they were back online in less than two hours. So from what I heard was someone that had worked in the center within the previous few days tested positive. Because of that, they had to do what's called a level three Three cleaning. cleaning. Doesn't that... Don't you, aren't you
2: guys curious? You know, it's a federal facility, 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 I got that out. But don't you think they would have some kind of cleaning protocol in place already? Uh, You know what I mean? I mean, we, we go through our planes now with, you know, a lot more um, attention to uh, cleanliness than we did before. Um, So if, you know, if you go to this air, air route traffic control center, um or approach pro, approach control facility and wouldn't you think they would have some kind of protocol already in place for things are already being cleaned on a regular they probably basis we do where you know it's I mean? considered and level if, one you know and if but- the guy was tested three days ago or tested positive and he worked there three days ago or two days ago that you know it had already been cleaned <laughs> <laughs> up, to, up to that point. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, well, I could see if the guy was working working a scope and right then and there went, ah, oh, I feel sick. I'm going to go uh, get tested. You know, maybe right. that's what happened. They, they didn't report it like that, but that could have
0: happened. Uh, um, and I'm thinking the decision you know? was kind of based upon the fact that according to this article, there have been about 22 COVID-19 cases among employees at that FAA air. Route traffic control center in Fort Worth. The facility is just south of the DFW airport near the American Airlines headquarters. These types of facilities shutdowns have been happening routinely during this COVID 19 pandemic, and several large airports have had more than one such shutdown. So, whatever their decision was, it had to have been, I think, pretty dire. Yeah. that they decided to do this yeah. not during a scheduled cleaning but to just cease all operations yeah. and clean it.
2: We had I a uh, we had a dispatcher um do his uh you know annual jump seat ride with us mm-hmm. last year. And uh this was obviously right in the middle of the pandemic. And um that was one of the things he was he he told us he said you know, we asked him, you know, what's been one, of, we asked him, what's been one of your um, greatest uh, hurdles as a dispatcher, you know, operating in the pandemic.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And he says, it's planning for the unplanned air, uh, tower closure, or route facility closure. He said there's, there's air, air traffic control centers that closed down that were closing down in the middle of the night like yeah. uh Kansas city center or, um, uh, I, I forget which one he, he, he shared with us, but he said they would, you know, they'd have these red eh, so much red eyes, but late evening flights or early morning flights I'd cross, you know, the center of the country or whatever. And they'd have, they all of a sudden find out that the center's closed and they're rerouting everybody around the airspace. Oh, they wouldn't let anybody fly through the air the, the, that airspace. And he's like, you know, they caught us by surprise a few times when you know they they did that and they didn't announce it via notum because it was one of those all of a sudden shut down a facility to clean for level three cleaning and you know now nobody can go through the airspace but we didn't plan for it so we didn't have enough gas to go around the airspace yeah. so you know you got guys fuel diverting. stop yeah we need a fuel stop somewhere so wow that's crazy yeah,
0: you know, and this whole ATC-0, sometimes it can catch a pilot off guard because sure. you'll hear this uh, over a frequency going, uh, this airspace. Like I don't think Salt Lake City was the last one that did ATC-0. Yeah. The control tower is ATC-0. Salt Lake Airport is ATC-0. Yeah. And people are like, what's that mean?
2: Yeah. yeah. It's not
0: something you hear every day, and unless you experienced yeah. it at least once, I don't well, think that's also, something that we don't train for.
2: Yeah, also the thing that made this particular event so, um, uh, important was that you know, a lot of people uh now know or have learned that DFW and also Charlotte are the two busiest airports in the country right now because of traffic, uh, the amount of yeah. traffic that Legacy Airlines has been, um, you know, going in and out of those airports. It's the busiest airports. Uh, in operation. And all that stuff happens during the daytime when this ATC zero event happened. So yeah. uh, it, it threw a big wrench in the operation. I mean, it was, it was rough. And then you had weather to it, which we had, which made it even worse. So I mean, yep. there's planes scattered all over the system. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. You know, and
2: you ever have takes, something like
0: that, Roger.
1: I've never, I've never experienced or had to deal with an ATD, ATC zero. I know that it did happen several times at the beginning. Um when this yeah. when the pandemic started, you know, almost yeah. a year ago now. Uh, this is the this is the first time I've heard of it in quite a while now actually. Oh. I've never been affected though. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I missed it, so I wasn't really affected.
0: Yeah, when Las Vegas uh tower shut down for days, um they had to the airspace basically came an uncontrolled airport class d and everyone yeah. had to do the whole ctaf i think they put a tfr over the airport at the time so that it kept th- all the vfr well,
1: traffic I think out that, uh, when the towers were closing i think that approach control is able to take over some of the, the a lot yeah, of the, the tower, arriving and departing stuff the, yeah. the tower right. ifr stuff. and so there's not mm-hmm. quite as much um issue it's you know as it as it actually goes uh you know then you're working down to the to the tower you can't really work up you can't you can't give a tower and say hey we need you to take over you know Dallas center <laughs> yeah. right or no, Fort they, don't, center. Have the, it, it they just, don't have that
2: scopes for it yeah
1: there's just no way that can happen and so for those larger facilities especially to shut a whole one down cuz those are huge yeah. facilities
0: yeah. yeah well what happening was was the approach control would you know you had a, your IFR flight plan your squat code the approach control would say okay contact CTAF so now mm-hmm. you're you're doing position reports, your basic yeah. you know GA stuff, no problem for a GA pilot. But when you're an airline pilot that's been flying on the line for 20, 30 years, and you haven't had to fly VFR, we you know don't fly you're VFR. clueless. You're we like, what? Uh, what's <laughs> we what's know. C-taf?
2: We don't. What am I <laughs> supposed
1: to do again?
2: You forget the forget everything you're supposed to say. We're in a Boeing.
0: Uh, something
1: <laughs> traffic
2: ATP
0: maneuvers <laughs> over Lake Cerny. <laughs> I could see my house from
1: here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Why yeah, shenanigans, shenanigans, <laughs> and the company had to send out emails uh, reminding people where to look in our operations manual for yeah. the the Stuff you're phonetic to or yeah. the you know in our operations manual for the way to have
1: a conversation. Traffic. This is
0: <laughs> yeah
1: legacy that- flight. One, two, three. It's so
2: frustrating to me that they actually have to tell us how to do that. (laughs) We should know this stuff.
1: (laughs) Just reading it, reading it from the book.
2: Uh I got to tell you, this is kind of along the same lines. Um, When we were at Sandpiper, I might have actually told the story in a podcast a long time ago. Uh, When we were at Sandpiper, um, I was uh, at one point I was still living. I moved back to Phoenix and I was commuting. Uh, to Dallas for work, and bad weather day, um, and this is also about the same time that Legacy um, just started flying the Airbus. So when um, I I got the uh, jump seat, uh, it was bad weather day. Flights were delayed, canceled, oversold. So I was just happy to get on this this uh, this flight in the jump seat. So um, the captain and the first officer had just come over to the bus from flying the triple seven. So they were always doing, you know, like the Hong Kong runs and, you know, Narita runs and all that stuff in the triple seven. And uh, this this is the first time in years that they had been, they had been doing any kind of domestic flying. And uh, they uh, they were very new to the Airbus. I mean, very, very new to the Airbus. I mean, it was obvious they were, you know, right out of IOE and, and everything. So anyways, long story short, we're headed back to Dallas, bad weather. They get issued a hold. Okay. The airplane goes into holding pattern. No problem, <laughs> which, which was kind of an event. Cause these guys had both went, Oh, old. Do you remember how to program it? I think so. Let me see. So they went down there and got the plane in a hold and then they figured out that uh, they had need to go to an alternate And the alternate on paper was Oklahoma city. So the captain called the dispatcher and, you know, talked to him and asked him about going to Oklahoma city. And he was like, no, don't go to Oklahoma city. They are overwhelmed right now. Um, don't, you can't go to Tulsa. Um, what you need to do is divert into Wichita falls in an airbus. Well, Wichita falls is closed on a Sunday night at like eight o'clock at night. I mean, it's complete v f r non controlled airport, no nothing so they uh they did okay landing getting in there, obviously the landing was fine, radio work and everything like that. but when they got on the ground um and had to get the clearance to take off and and head back to Dallas, they had no clue how to get the clearance. They were like how do I get the clearance to get out of here? The There's tower's no closed, grounds <laughs> closed, no CPDLC, no PDC. Yeah. He PDC? was clueless. <laughs> you know, oh. I've been sitting there in, in the jump seat and <laughs> kind of leaned over to his shoulder. like, I can help you if you want. And he's like, I really, seriously, I, I really do need the help. I, I haven't done this in forever. I've been flying to Hong Kong and everything is CPDLC and PDC. And he was serious and he was really, really uh, desperate for, <laughs> for the attention and the help. So, you know, I leaned in, I said, Hey, see that uh, departure control frequency there. He's like, yeah, put that in the radio, give them a call, tell them who you are, where you are and what you want, (laughs) who you is, where you at, what you want. (laughs) So he's like, really, that's it. I was like, yeah. So that, and I said, well, what, and then I told him, you know, Hey, now what he's going to give you is your clearance. But after the clearance, he's going to give you, you know, uh, you know, a clearance void time if you're not off at a certain time he's going to give you a void time so make sure you uh it's realistic for you guys because you know he, he might give it to you in 10 for 10 minutes from now um mm-hmm. or he may ask you to call him when you're number one at the runway which is most likely what they're going to do so yeah that was a that was an atc zero event basically for those guys because they had no clue how to get out of the
0: airport yeah and uh so <laughs> that was that was yeah, well, kind when of... you don't do it in a long time yeah. or you don't do it every day, yeah. you can get rusty, you know. And yeah. you know, Roger jokes that, you know, us airline guys, you know, <laughs> but it's true. It's you yeah. know, we don't do Will it us. every day. Oh, we used to, man. you know, we no yeah. problem. Yeah. Um I think and I think Rob and I have a little bit of an unfair advantage when it comes to those kind of operations. Because working for Sandpiper, there were a a lot of airports that we went into regularly, th- yeah. where the towers would close. They would close yeah. at you know at eight o'clock yeah. at night or ten o'clock yeah. at night, and we'd land after that. And we'd had to cancel IFR on the ground with a departure yeah. controller because that was the preferred method, not cancel in the air before you touch down. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes it's like, oh crap, uh, our radios don't reach departure. Now what do we do? Yeah. Well, let's find the you know the the radio frequency for you know whatever uh something radio and you'd yeah, call hearing. contact yeah. them or, or call them on the phone and say yeah we're on the ground we're gonna cancel ifr you had yep. to do that but otherwise you get a phone call from dispatch going <laughs> yeah that fa is looking for you <laughs> can you explain yourself <laughs> um and there were a couple of guys that got in a little bit of hot water for that so yeah. it's important to know you know that side of the operation uh, yeah. especially when you're when you're on the line but stuff. you know a lot of things have a lot of things have been affected by COVID and the last uh, kind of thing that we wanted to talk about is an event that happened on a United flight recently. I think it was back on December 17th or 18th. Uh, a man had passed away after having a medical emergency on a United flight. This is an article from abcnews.com. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. And the you know before flying the your as a passenger, you're supposed to fill out a form, either when you're checking in or at the air, physical airport, and you may or may not have to have a temperature taken, but you have to fill out a form indicating that you are COVID negative in terms of symptoms, that you have not tested positive, you don't have a fever, haven't had a fever, uh, and you, know, you don't have any symptoms. And there's a long list, and you got to mark no, no, no. And I know landing in LA, there's an app. They make you scan a QR code at the gate as a passenger. And by the time you exit, you have to fill out this uh, survey. And that's kind of their way of doing this contact tracing. Now, prior to departure, you have to do that in a lot of states as well. Well, according to this article, a United flight was diverted after a passenger suffered a medical emergency and died. United Flight 591 was diverted to New Orleans on Monday after a male passenger became ill. Paramedics transported the individual to a local hospital where he was pronounced deceased, the carrier said. According to the airline officials, the passenger's wife told an emergency medical technician that her husband had COVID-related symptoms. Officials have not confirmed if the man was positive for the virus. Well, we've now learned that he was. Um, And what had happened was they had this incident in the air. The flight attendants sprung into action. They ended up doing CPR on this individual. And of course, the studies have shown that when you're doing CPR on a COVID-positive patient, you are mask off, obviously, and you're spreading this air that's in the lungs around a confined space with other people. That's why it's so important that if you have symptoms, you think you may have symptoms, or you've tested positive, that you do not fly, because if anything were to happen, first of all, you're, you're, you're not allowed to fly, but if anything... Cameron Roberts was a passenger on the flight. He described a chaotic scene in which fellow passengers rushed to help the man in distress. They had him on the ground in the center aisle, Roberts said. They were still giving him CPR when... They were touching down Roberts and his fiance said passengers gave the man chest compressions and mouth to mouth, believing he was suffering from cardiac arrest. Rob United said it has. Is- been in contact with the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, and is sharing requested information with the agency so that they can work with local health officials to conduct outreach to any customer that the CDC believes may be at risk for possible exposure or infection during that flight. United requires all of its passengers to complete a ready-to-fly checklist before checking into a flight, which prompts them to acknowledge that they have not tested positive for COVID-19 nor have they had any related symptoms in the past 2 weeks. We implore passengers not to travel if they've been diagnosed with the COVID-19 or have COVID related symptoms. If in doubt, the best option is to get tested, United said. So, the issue here yeah. is the eth- the ethics behind it all.
3: Yeah.
0: A passenger allegedly lied on this form flew anyway, because the minute you put on the form that you've had these, then the airline blocks you from, from yeah. boarding.
2: I would also imagine that form is a kind of a legal, um, liability, you know, liability thing. release. Yeah. Uh, since he said it, you know, we're, we're not, you can't see United Airlines.
0: <laughs> right. So, but the handling, um, why wasn't every single passenger immediately contacted? And right. told that they had to be exposed yeah. because this is how these things kind of spread yeah. throughout the community. Now, yep. I get it. I mean, there are those that you look at the form and you're like, ah, eh, okay, yeah, no, 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 I'm fine, fine, yeah. I'm fine. But if you know you're ill, I mean, that's really, yeah, that's bad. Responsible, it's bad, especially now. Um, so, yeah. Have either of you guys heard of anything like this happening where someone who was knowingly ill or infected went to the airport anyway? I know that I, he- I heard of uh, a
2: customer knowingly uh, tested positive uh, attempting to get on the flight and then somehow. Um, I don't know how they found out or if they, he just divulged it and just decided to turn around and and go back home. But um, that was in the news, I think in early December, maybe late, maybe in November, but I haven't heard there. hasn't been very much, you know, I don't think the airlines, at least from their side of the house want, they don't want to scare people away. And I think it's kind of bad news, but you know, you need to, focus more on what they're doing positively with the clean cleaning and stuff like that. I don't think they're going to, you know, talk, talk about the people that showed up sick, but uh, yeah. I haven't heard other than that one case.
1: I think that jet blue actually banned somebody for life. Uh, Maybe that prior. that was
2: the one there. I think uh, that was probably the one. That
1: was probably around in the summertime that somebody got okay. on having a positive test and JetBlue, i believe it was JetBlue, has banned that passenger for life yeah. because maybe of, that was someone um yeah. i mean them knowingly yeah. lying that they had a positive yeah. test and then um boarded a boarded a flight now I, i'm pretty sure they found out after the fact and this yeah was uh, retroactive just but uh, yeah. looking
0: that up here as you're uh mentioning it and this happened back in looks like 13th of March. A JetBlue bans a passenger who notified the crew after landing that he had tested positive for the coronavirus. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty pretty crazy stuff. Well, I tested positive too.
1: You know, and <laughs> and that's one thing that I, you know, since Rob kind of opened that door. But you're talking about passengers or people. They're going to yeah. go and and quite honestly. You know, out of Rob's own mouth, he didn't know he was positive and he had seen a doctor, but he was, yeah, he was ready to go to work, he said. I
0: was. And yeah. Not thinking, but that's, it's one thing to not be tested and thinking, well, it could just be a bug because I don't have all the, all the symptoms that they're talking about. I just have like a headache and weakness, but it could be yeah. allergies. And that's a and really it's another to thing tested. about
1: this guy on United that when he says, well, I've lost my t- sense of taste and smell. I mean, that's kind of one of our hallmark I mean, that's a Hallmark symptom. I mean I and, think so too. You know, and I don't want to I mean obviously this this guy is, is now deceased and I don't want to, you know, yeah on him too bad. This this whole thing is such a does
0: know, he
1: die disgusting. from COVID or does
3: he die with COVID?
0: And, and it didn't say, at least yeah. uh, in, in the what little I read on the information that I had. Uh, It didn't say why, but I believe it was a pulmonary. Yeah. Not that.
2: Not that it's you know it's not serious enough, but I I I don't I think the country's over that now.
1: (laughs) I think unfortunately, especially too is like if if you want to go get tested, it's incredibly hard to go get tested right now.
2: It is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, and expensive. and not to mention expensive. <laughs> yeah. I I know yeah. around here where that you know, we've got all this stuff, you know, free testing, free testing that. You cannot get an appointment. Yeah. And the yeah. only option that we have around here is to go spend $185 to go get a test.
2: Yeah. That's what we did.
1: And yep. you know, if the, if it comes down to that, then that's, then that's one thing. And actually we, we had a little bit of a, of a concern a couple of weeks ago. It was right before Christmas actually, where um, we where one of us did actually go get a test, which came back negative and, um, yeah. you know, looking back on it, it makes sense, but, yeah. um, it's really, hard to get
2: a test. I really, yeah. I really think that, um, and I, it's probably and it. It's probably already out there. Actually, I'm pretty sure it is. Cause I listened to, uh, Joe Rogan podcast and he talked about it, but, um, he there's, there's tests out there that, you could just take yourself.
0: Yeah. The home test, the 15 the home
2: minute test. home test. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I wish those were really more available and more, um, more advertised and more pushed, uh, to the general public. Um, cause that would be really nice just to say, Hey, before, before I head out the door in the morning, I'm going to take a home test. And, yeah. you know, if the accuracy isn't that high, at least, you know, if it does come back positive, at least that's a, you know, better idea that, Hey, we probably should go see, seen by my physician. But right now, you know, like me, I mean, I, pff, I didn't think I had it until yeah I went. So, I mean, you know, the,
0: it, there's, you're absolutely right. There's no reason if you can pee on a stick and it tells you within minutes, if you're pregnant or not, I'm sure they have developed the technology yeah. that you can take a, a test where you know, if you're good to go, Just,
2: just imagine the 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 difference in the world <laughs> it would have made. If we could have taken the the idea of the piss on the stick test, you know, do, except except you know do this for the to shove it up your nose COVID test. Right. Uh, if we would have known to have done this back in March instead of trying to get ventilators and.
1: On behalf yeah. of medical professionals everywhere, I, I you. And <laughs> Just talk a to a, a pilot. There's a sizable difference Listen, in the technology between testing for the hormones we, in pregnancy versus the presence of a virus. Like, like we like to say,
2: <laughs> like we like to say, <laughs> since what, 1914 oh, or 19? Pilots have been solving all the problems of the world and looking down on people. <laughs>
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Squawk Eye Dent. How and to don't, say don't, it be don't, <laughs> don't be, be that, that guy. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy.
0: Oh man! Well, That's let's hilarious. wrap it up today with uh, some some interesting news that we got here at Legacy Airlines. Um, recently, a news blast came out indicating that we were going to be training the way we do our continuing qualified uh, training or t- continued uh, qualification training. Uh, at Legacy, we're on what's called a nine month cycle, yeah. right? So every nine months, we have to go back to the training center and go through a day of ground school and a couple days of simulator training. And we get checked out and we have the gold seal of approval. We get the stamp on our record and we get to go back to the line and fly our regular flying. And for the next nine months, we're good to go. And then we come back and we do the second part of that training cycle, which is the 18 month. So it's an A and B alternating training cycle. Well, the company has decided that they're changing the way they do things more in line with some of the other operators in the U.S., and we're going to a 12-month training cycle. So what that involves is there's going to be an extra simulator in there where you're going to be incorporating both what we currently do at both the first nine-month cycle and the 18th-month cycle, and we're going to... Put that all in one training cycle. So you're going every 12 months, and in every 12 months, you're going to do everything, Yep. not a uh, part one time and the other part the other time to make a complete picture. So there are pros and cons to this, and I know both of you as instructors yourselves have some thoughts on this. Now, I kind of look at this and say, well, I don't mind it because I believe that's how we did it for, well, my 13 years over at Sandpiper. That's how we did it. Every 12 months. Now, I like actually going to the training center more often because I feel it just makes you more prepared, better suited for the non-normal procedures that may occur. Uh, So if you do a V1 cut every nine months, I think you'll be better prepared for that scenario if it ever happens in your career. Um, then if you haven't done it for 12 months and you're due to go to training next month and all of a sudden it happens, you might be out of practice. So yeah. there's some pros and cons, uh, gentlemen, let's uh, start with Roger. What are your thoughts on the 12 month cycle versus a nine month cycle?
1: Well, I think that, you know, if you're asking from an instructor standpoint and what, like what you were just saying, I don't think that there's any doubt that going back for training more frequently is going to. Have you better prepared for the abnormal scenarios? You know that being said, why don't we make it a six- month cycle? Why don't we make it a three- month cycle? And like you were just motioning on screen, all that's going to come back down to money. If you can then go legally and me turn your nine month cycle into a 12 month cycle, that will then save you money, and the the drawbacks to that in the real world, how often do you experience a V one cut? Not all that often. And so, from a an operational standpoint, I it like, it, I guess it makes sense. Nor would I, and it it makes sense. And at the same time, I would not feel. I do not feel like this is going to in in your particular case, your airline's particular case. I do not feel at all, one bit, one small iota that it's going to make your airline more unsafe simply because you guys are going to be going in 12 month cycles rather than nine months and so for and because of that from a company standpoint and a monetary standpoint you know i can definitely see see why they would do that yeah and rob what do you think
2: yeah I, it doesn't matter to me i i think
1: nine months,
2: six months, 12 months. Um, I I wouldn't go any longer than 12 months between training cycles. I think that's long enough. Um, but yeah, to me, it, it doesn't matter. Um, I I'm kind of like you, where I look forward to going to the training center, um, on those, (laughs) on on those cycles, um, because it does get me in the books. And when you get there, you are, um, um, you know, Briefed about the hot topics of your your aircraft and the company and the trends and stuff like that stuff that um you can definitely learn from um i i really and you know this is just my my opinion and I know it's logistically impossible um the way I would do it if i were, if i were if i had if i had the uh <laughs> the steering wheel on training and 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 the powers to do it i think it would be the best way to do it would be based on recency of experience. You know, okay. it, you know, there's, you, you, you know, just some kind of a uh, um, kind of like a lift over drag chart. And whenever you meet a certain time and in, uh, in, in, in the aircraft and time in, in, you know, in, in months or periods, then mm-hmm. you have to go to training. So the longer, the, the least you fly the airplane, the shorter term, you know, the shorter in time you have to go to training where, mm-hmm. and then, but, you know, maxed out at, at, at maybe a year. So, oh. but, you know, for something like that, for us, it, it that logistically with 15,000 pilots would be yeah. probably just the worst. <laughs> be so time and type logistical.
0: would be a deciding factor. Say if you yeah. had less than 500 hours in type and seat, you would go yeah. every eight, nine months. And then after you have a couple thousand hours or or however many hours, then you go once every 12 months. Maybe that
2: that's a good idea too. I hadn't thought about that, but I also think of it more as like a linear time. So uh, like a rollback time. So look back time. So in the last, you know, six months, if you've flown 500 hours, you know, which would be crazy, (laughs) but you know, if you've flown 500 hours, you, you, you know, you've been doing a lot of stuff, you know, your, your training cycle can be spaced out a little further apart, but if, you know, you're like on, on a zero timeline or, or, um, you know, no time, no nothing, and you haven't done anything. Well, let's face it. Those guys can come and fly, you know, one hour every three months. Um, and and pretty much be current, but then I would think their training cycles should be shorter because they're
0: not, Anyway,
2: that's just my personal
0: no, that's a great that's yeah. a great thought. I, I hadn't thought of it, and that would be yeah. actually an interesting uh yeah concept Maybe to take a look at the stats on that and see how and effective I, that would be. and I think that's kind of
2: you know in in a super you know detoured roundabout way of our quarterly training on the e f b you mm-hmm. know, but that doesn't replace the simulator time, the hands on the yeah you know the diminishable skill stuff that yeah. you know. Uh, you know, now, especially now on the 7.3, we we brought back uh, recall items, you know, memory items. Mm. So, you know, and there's one on there that's, that's, that's quite a mouthful. So, yeah, um, that's that's the one to uh, the runaway stabilizer one for the max. <laughs> yeah. So I'm still trying to regurgitate that one out <laughs>
0: by yeah. memory. Do you have your max training scheduled yet?
2: On the 18th. Yep. So you, Oh, uh, so 18th, we look forward to
0: hearing so, uh, more about that. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, I think it makes sense that this is happening now. Uh Now, this doesn't go into effect until after March of 2021 at Legacy Airlines. So right. there is some time. It's not like it happens immediately. Um And what happens in March? Well, we do have a logistical issue right now because we've got guys that have been out on furlough that if they've only been on furlough for 30 or 60 days— technically they should still be current even with their landings and all they have to do is just come back to the line. If they've been on a leave of absence for say six months, now they're going to have to go back to the schoolhouse, get probably not only current, but maybe there's some kind of something else going on. I really don't know what the the logistics are on that. If they have to other than get three landings in and then they're good to yeah. go, or if they get a little extra ground time or SIM time, whatever it is. Yeah. But what you're going to have, at least what they're anticipating, is a lot of movement, a lot of possibly new hire classes starting up again. I heard. Yeah. Uh, and I know at the regional level, I've had a few regional pilots tell me that they've been talking about uh, starting up hiring, new hiring again. Yeah. Um, and I've I heard a legacy few things carrier online. was going
2: to do that too. I forget which yeah. one it meant announced that. I mean, it was United or um, I don't know. I can't remember. But yeah. Some, somebody one of them, announced yeah. Some-
0: yeah. That they're, they're looking at. Uh, I mean, next month. <laughs> Getting applications. Yep. Um, yeah. Looking at applications. So, so yeah, there's there's that. And, of course, you know, what we've been saying the whole time that, that this is a cyclical part of the industry. We're hoping that this vaccine gets rolled out and then people come back yeah. to flying. They're going to Mexico. I know that we added a bunch of flying and their flights yeah. are full. So, you know, who knows where else yeah. we can start going as soon as people start having this proof of vaccine with their, yeah. whatever they're calling this new passport that they have to have, this mobile passport on their cell phone that shows yeah. that they've either had the vaccine or they tested negative, and then they can do international flying yeah. into the EU-approved countries. So yeah. all this is is going to be a logistical nightmare to get pilots qualified on yeah. whatever aircraft they're they're going to be either moving to or new hires. And yeah. so to go to 12-month cycles is going to free up simulator time.
3: Yeah
2: yeah it, it, most and a lot of people don't realize um, that to to get the crews trained up again and qualified uh, isn't just a flip of a switch it's a logistically uh, scheduling wise it, it takes months um, uh, for that to happen, especially yeah. with with recalls you know I mean they have to be in seniority order and you know, then you have to schedule yeah. them, bring them in, free up the the SIM times who are already maxed, you know, pretty much maxed out because of the cycles we've had now with all yeah. these guys going through. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty big deal, but the good thing is along those lines is that companies, um, have seen and reported an uptick in, in bookings for this year. Uh, yes. even the foreign carriers have. So with that kind of, uh, you know being the you know the goal <laughs> to get more people flying we need to be ready to respond with our pilots and our flight attendants and everybody uh, trained up and in position and ready to go yep when when that when we
0: when we need them yep and kudos to the flight attendants that also got recalled and all the other Absolutely. employees you know this is Rock a big was it 30,000 000- <laughs> Employees in the airline industry that at yeah. one point or another were furloughed or affected by this. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about downturn. you, Tony,
2: but I really miss those newer flight attendants. <laughs> those, those, uh, <laughs> just they were they had just a different kind of, um, you know, energy. Can I get
0: you guys anything? Can I get you a yeah, you coffee? So nice. You know, halfway through the flight, ding, hey, you guys doing okay? You still, yeah. you want some water? Do you, do you need any, you need uh, a break? You need to take a yeah. break? No, I mean, so we're flying with some senior flight attendants that. I just had a
2: 32 year flight attendants and they were great. I mean, but they have 32 years on the job back on reserve.
0: 32. So how happy are they? They're miserable. (laughs) Yeah. They they don't offer, they don't offer anything. They're like, just shut up and stay in your hole. Yeah. (laughs) Don't bother me.
2: Yeah. These people were, were good. I mean, you know, we do see that. (laughs) We do see that for sure. But, um, they the these this these crews were were they're great they're wonderful but you know they're they were just you know such a shocker to know it's a different that atmosphere been thirty yeah. years it's good when there's
0: there. a mix you have your your senior flight yeah. attendants mixed with your junior flight attendants and it just yeah. it's a little bit more laid back and everyone kind of. There's always the new person, yeah. and you know. Uh, yeah. But now it's like everybody's not only are they senior, but they, they, they might be not happy with yeah. everything. Well, the, their, their how their life is affected, and it, it shows. Yeah.
2: One of their short-term um, concerns was they didn't they didn't know the the reserve system. They didn't know how to proffer, or uh, mm-hmm. they didn't know some of the work rules around reserve. So that that made it kind of like when
0: pilots have been flying airlines for years and decades, and all of a sudden they have to go into an uncontrolled field at night, and they don't know how to turn on the (laughs) runway lighting because they haven't done it.
2: Five clicks. How long does it stay on? Fifteen click. minutes, something like click. that. Not click, 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 click. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: I remember. Or oh, this <laughs> runway
0: is dark. Oh, oh I, I forgot to turn the lights on. Sorry.
2: <laughs> I remember one of the first uh, sandpiper flights flying across the country at night. I was like, "Hey, I'll, I probably shouldn't disclose this, but this is this is kind of funny." Allegedly. <laughs> so so yeah. I'm I'm flying across uh, like Cleveland Center at nighttime. It was a beautiful night uh it was about 10 11 o'clock at night and i'm like you know the captain's over there doing his own thing so i put in the number 2 radio you know 122.8 which is a lot of Common traffic advisory frequencies and pilot control lighting frequencies. So I'm over there at night and I'm like, let's see how many lights I can light up at 37,000 feet. So one, (laughs) two, three, four, five. (laughs) You see a few lights come on. And next thing you know, somebody on the frequency is like, hey, who turned out the lights?
0: I was like, ooh, was probably a stupid thing to do. So if you're an airport manager at a local airport, <laughs> you can send your electric bill to... <laughs>
2: yeah, it's a one-time, one-time only.
0: <laughs> yeah, allegedly. You know, you thought about doing it one time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've never done that, Rob. <laughs> hey, I used to oh, start out of crazy. here. Oh, it's night. Let's turn the lights on. There it is. <laughs> yep. <laughs> meanwhile roger's going hey who turned out the light it <laughs> you know, was probably roger hey who turned off the light <laughs> damn jerk <laughs> hey,
1: go no, I'm around just muttering just muttering under my breath clicking again <laughs> you're going, you're you click, son click, of
0: click. a freaking Planning airline it on pilot.
1: airline pilots
0: uh-huh. yeah. you're on guard no you know, rob are you
2: on frequency <laughs> stop it
0: <laughs> cut it out uh, Well, you know, with that, I want to say thank you, gentlemen, uh, for another fantastic episode of Squawk Ident. I've been just so excited to have this opportunity every week to sit down with you um, and and just talk about what we love. I mean, I think I need to start reaching out further into the web and get a hold of the person who created those uh, Lego living the dream films and see if we can get him on the show because you know we have something in common and that's uh, we talk about work 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 holding contract work work <laughs> training so but we we hope that you are enjoying this passion that we have as well uh we here at squawk ident uh, would like to encourage you to visit us on our website at www.aviatortony.com that's alpha victor the number eight romeo tango oscar november yankee.com there you can see right on the home page what we're all about our mission statement you can see down there our links to the youtube and all the other podcast players that you can find us on as well and we would encourage you if you have found value in this episode to help us out as well by contributing to the podcast. You can become a producer with either a one-time or recurring contribution as well. Every little bit helps with the production and marketing expenses. You can also leave us audio feedback from show topics to what you think, what you like, what you don't like. We'd love to hear from you. You can also view the many photos that we've shared both from the flight line and of our guests that we've had on the show. And we're also on social media. Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube users can find us under Squawk Ident Podcast. We encourage you to support us on YouTube with a like, subscribe, and a share. And don't forget to select the bell to be notified of any new videos. I'm actually excited because I just finished editing one of the longest videos that we've ever produced for the YouTube channel. Um, usually, there are short clips about the show, and this one was pretty long. It was over an hour long YouTube video, uh, a great informational podcast, which was uh, our last episode, and it talked about the AA cadet program. We had an AA recruiter on the show that talked about what cadet uh, programs can offer you. Uh, both at Legacy Airlines and over at American as well. And it was very informative. I I really enjoyed uh, that uh, YouTube and that podcast. We had a lot of people on that uh, Zoom call. Uh, Roger was with us at the beginning half of that show, but uh, had to take care of some uh, little people (laughs) that were bouncing off the walls.
1: family, Family children
0: some some, yeah little uh, human resources that you have there and uh, you know but it was, it was a great great uh, show and episode and great information out there we encourage you to support us in that way and in closing I would just like to say as always thank you for taking the time to listen to these grateful aviators keep the dirty side down out there be safe and take care of each other bye y'all
1: happy new year everybody the uh, Happy New Year.
0: Happy New Year!